The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend watching the movie beforehand, but hey, that isn't your bag? No worries. You do you. Brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation, because we like to pay it forward by giving back. Enjoy the show. that we cut out a little because I got to about 45 minutes and I when we started talking about the movie and I realized we I think we actually talked about stuff other than the movie for like an hour and a half or so before we actually started talking about the movie <laughs> Yeah, well, I have a, I have like it's a nineteen minute clip. It's just sort of the like it cut out when Anthony was deciding he was gonna be mean to everyone. Oh yeah, <laughs> I cut out when we were like explaining the again and stuff. I mean, right. some of it's pretty funny, just has nothing to do with it. But I thought I might release it in like. Three or four days here as just like a, a bonus content uh, because we hit X number of subscribers and I'll make it up backwards, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're. It, but anyway, I, I I was thinking I would just. Put an arbitrary like because we got thirty positive reviews and I love you. Your bonus content is just us bitching at each other for like twenty minutes. 
And a couple of times talking about how we're about to talk about Batman forever, but not doing it. So. I think that I kind of, I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, the thing we kind of. is just a title bonus content. Oh, yeah. Not a movie. Yeah, exactly. I think that worked pretty well. Sorry. Okay. Oh, hello there. We're talking about... Real smooth. Real, real smooth there. 1996, starring Billy Zane from Goddamn Everything. He's all over the place. I love him. He's the most beautiful man. Uh, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I honestly, I can't disagree with you there. He was. Uh, he was the. He was the asshole in Titanic who was like, he's being a jerk, but you also sort of get what, how he got engaged in the first place, because look at him. <laughs> he was... So the two I mentioned are... Uh, remembered specifically where he was in Titanic and he was in Blood Rain because he... Uh, there are two characters that... Never mind. I'll bring it up later. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> he was in Tombstone. He was in... Is that really all I have off the top of my head? He played himself in Zoolander. That's... I was just about to say, what wasn't he in Zoolander as himself. I thought he was, so... Okay. We've, you've confirmed it. That's good. 
That's yeah, actually true. all I know him from. <laughs> I think he was one of the cameos along with uh, David Bowie. We're just sort of walking around. It's like, it's David Bowie. It's yeah. Billy Zane. Because they're two beautiful men. <laughs> yep. Also starring Christy Swanson, who was the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Treat Williams. I don't remember what Treat Williams has been in. He's been in a bunch of things in like minor roles, and he was the main character on a one of those kind of feel-good family shows about people coming to terms with things that I did not watch. I actually did see that show, like at least, I think I watched at least one season of it. It was called Everwood. That's actually, that was where I knew him from. Yeah, I know. Penis. Boners. That's actually where I knew him from, but I did not recognize him until I had to look him up, and then when I saw him, I was like, oh! Well, because he had a beard on, on the Everwood, looked like much more... I mean, he looks like a pretty friendly guy anyway, honestly. Yeah, definitely. He's so great. He's all smart. I love him. <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones, who I did... I forgot she was in this because that's a weird role, but she's in this movie. Yeah. I guess this is one of her first ones, at least first big ones, because, like, she was in... Mask of Zorro a year and a half, two years later, but not much before then, I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I I don't actually know what all she's been in. I know I've I've seen her in a couple other movies, but I just don't remember which one, so yeah, I mean, I mostly remember Entrapment, because that's what I she did the laser thing. Oh, yeah. She, she did a laser thing. There's lasers in the It's a good movie. I don't remember what it's about. But she was, uh... She was the daughter of the original Zorro in Zorro, where Antonio Banderas is going to be the new Zorro, and that's a good movie, I think. I thought so when I was like 15, but I liked it. Okay, that must have been the one that I saw her in, because I know I saw that one, but that's the only movie of it that I remember actually seeing her in, but, yeah. Because well, there's, like, the origin story slash pass, passing the mantle story in the first one, and 
and then they made a sequel where it's about like their kid who's like four and they have to rescue him from something and team back up and does that thing that a lot of those action movies in the 90s did where like if you marry a badass, you become one. So the sequel, the wife sword fights. Like, <laughs> that's fine, I guess, but it's a weird thing you're doing. Pirates of the Caribbean slash the mummy slash Zorro slash everything. <laughs> uh, and... Kirihiro Yuki Tagawa. Yes. Who is Shang Tsung and a bunch of other roles, but who fucking cares? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> He's great. He's oh, in God. it for like four minutes, and the entire time he's just screaming at the camera, shouldn't I have been the main villain? I'm like, yes! Yes, you should! I mean, to be fair, Trey Williams does a pretty good job as, as, as Drax, but yeah, Trey no, character Greek, he sh- should have been absolutely the main villain. <laughs> the problem is, Treat Williams was great until I was reminded that Carrie here you could <laughs> existed. And then everything is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't go back from that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, because it turns out he should have been the main villain in everything. <laughs> and I reminded of that. Uh, it was directed by Simon Winsor, who <laughs> was before then mostly known for Operation Double Drop and Free Willy. Um, both of which I watched, and both of which are about giant animals being put in humorous situations. <laughs> I, yeah, I, de- I definitely watched Free Willy in theaters because I was, what, eight or nine when that movie came out, I think. We were. I, I think it was a pretty solid kids movie as far yeah. as like environmental themes and feel goodness. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I don't know if it would hold up now more because I can't usually handle child protagonists more than I can't handle whale protagonists, which I'm actually fine with. <laughs> I find it much more easily to easy to identify with you know, several ton giant sea predators than I do with like me at twelve. So it's 
Well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we are not quite several ton aquatic life forms, but we are... We're, we're close. We're not like whales, but, but we're, they, we're they close. Eat, they eat people. And by people, I mean seals, but still. Yeah, of course. Although, did you know... Okay, this is a thing that I actually learned up in Washington. It's weird. Individual pods of killer whales have such a limited diet that, like, the ones that eat seals and the ones that eat salmon are always different pods. Huh. Like, they speciate to such a ridiculous extent that a certain pod of whales only eats, like, this kind of salmon that's in this bay. They won't touch seals, they won't touch trout, like anything else. Whereas the seal ones only eat seals. They won't eat other animals, they won't eat fish, they won't eat birds. It's weird. Yeah, that's, that's just strange. So we think of them as having this big, and listen, I could be misremembering something, there could be detail, it could be when comfortable, they maybe branch out when they're starving or something, but you think of them having this giant diet, and it's really just like there are a bunch of them that are all super specialized diets. Uh, which is super strange to me and unrelated to the Phantom in any way, but <laughs> an interesting piece of half-remembered possibly lies, but I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there are sharks in this movie, so it sort of ties together. There are, yes, in that water he swam through yes. to get to the cave, I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, all works out together. Uh, it was written by Jeffrey Baum. Baum? Baum. Bean? Yeah. Baum? He's written a lot of things that I really like. He wrote Briscoe County Jr. I forget the, the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. I forget the whole title. Uh, Lethal Weapon 1 through 3. The Lost Boys. Oh, nice. Uh, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I've I've seen I've seen out of that list I've seen the Lost Boys. <laughs> it could be our. We, we kind of have have threads going through all this. <laughs> like I'm I'm realizing that after the fact of the law, it's like okay, so. 
Grip from Joel Schumacher's Lost Boys to Joel Schumacher's Batman to this basically Batman written by the writer of the Lost Boys <laughs> thing. And maybe Hollywood's a smaller town than I thought. I don't know. I didn't used to pay attention to who was involved and stuff. It seems like everyone is everyone. Kinda, yeah. The Phantom. 1996. Got a 4.9 on IMDb. This is out of 10, not out of 5. 42% on the tomato meter, 30% audience appreciation score, and four stars on Amazon. <laughs> That's down from its usual 4.5, so I think four stars on Amazon means it's real bad. But, uh... <laughs> Never seen anything this is four or four point five. I actually which is I, I did coming a runner. I sorry, sorry I interrupted you. Uh, no, I, it's just it's becoming a runner. I thought Amazon's useless because <laughs> No, I all I was gonna say was when I when I was watching this, because I watched it on Amazon Prime. Uh, it actually is 4.2 out of 5 stars on Amazon, ah. so maybe it's slightly better than, according to Amazon, complete crap. So, although... Yeah, I guess that's just under the threshold where it actually fills in the yellow star icon, yeah? Yeah, I guess so. Because it does the half stars, I can see those, but yeah. I don't. I'm not going to read something on Amazon. I'm looking at pictures. So yeah. it's, <laughs> that's all I've got. Uh, so, The Phantom, I did a little bit of research on. This movie aside, The Phantom is one more, like, the oldest and not the oldest but one of the oldest and one of the more important comic book characters out there it was made by a guy named Lee Falk Lee Falk F-A-L-K Lee Falk I'm gonna say the Falk yeah he was born in 1911 died in 1999 he made both The Phantom and Mandrake the Magician, which is another one of those daily serials from the 20s, probably not the 20s, the 30s characters. His stated inspirations were Zorro and Mowgli and Tarzan. Who were all characters who'd made the last like 40 years when he was coming up. Uh, and he's first invented in 1936. Mandrake the 
um, edition was 1934. The two of them together, and I couldn't find individual stats, but the two of them together had over 100 million readers at their peak. Jeez. But that was at its daily strips that were including a lot of newspapers, so I don't know if that's people who read them and liked them, or people who saw them on the back page of the newspaper. Right. Because I remember when I used to read the newspaper, there were a bunch of comics, and I liked some of them, and I skipped some of them. Yeah, that's where I first learned about Spider-Man and his little three-panel you would check and see if he's in the costume. If he's not, you skip it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those it's like, days. It's like, oh, good. It's a guy talking about his wife. Pass. Like, oh, he's swinging on a thing. <laughs> Read it. <laughs> but he was the first regularly drawn pseudo character to wear a domino mask. The first to wear that speedo and spandex costume combination that Superman and Batman and most of the heroes you've heard about would later ape for at least a little while. Yeah, uh, uh, Wolverine, uh, Captain America, uh, Iron Man, when he first started out, and for some reason he had a red metal speedo over yellow metal tights. <laughs> uh, Thor never did. Wait, did Thor? Thor might have. Possibly. Everyone they've made movies out of um, owes their beginning look to Peter Fal or Lee Falk and the Phantom. Mm -hmm. Peter Falk is someone else, right? Uh, I think so. Okay, this was Lee Falk. Peter Falk is a different name that I keep tripping on. <laughs> His comics have been published by Marvel, DC, Ace Comics, Moonstone Comics, Harvey Comics, Gold Key Comics, King Comics, Charleston Comics, Charlton Comics, sorry, Dynamite Entertainment and Hermes Press over the years. He started his newspaper daily strip in 1936, was in a bunch of various comic titles. His first movie was in 1943. Not to be mistaken with his second movie that eventually had trouble getting the rights, they had to change the name to The Adventures of Captain Africa in 1955, but basically he was in two. <laughs> there was another uh, attempted movie that I guess was more of a 
miniseries in 2010 on sci-fi. Hmm. Or maybe that was 
because he was also a secret fighter defending his homeland that inspired his people. Uh, and it is currently, or I don't know currently, but it was after 1960s, the Phantom appears on a lot of war shields for the, uh, what is it called? The Wahi tribe in Papua New Guinea. Hmm. Because they uh, apparently got a lot of the newspapers and comic books from British forces during World War II. And the few who could read English would sort of translate them with pictures and tell stories. And the Phantom became sort of this uh, interesting cultural legend thing. And now he appears on the War Shields along with, like, their other cultural heroes and gods and the like. And that is just cool as hell to me. <laughs> yeah. Because he's an inspiring character and he is the man who can't die because he has his brothers with him or his, his sons and fathers with him and he's defending his homeland for the secret and he's fierce and all that. So, really important character culturally uh just not so much here where we all like batman instead <laughs> <laughs> well i think you're leaving out the most important part of all of these details because i did a tiny bit of research on the phantom myself Ooh, um yeah so, the very first Phantom comic strip was released on my birthday in 1936. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, careful, because now you're getting narrowed down your secret identity. People are going to be able to figure out who you actually are. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, the fact that I was born on one day out of 366 possible chances in a year uh, is really going to narrow me down from the other seven. Well, no, I'm sorry. How many, how many manatees are there in the world? Uh, <laughs> tragically few. That's kind of old shit. <laughs> right. Oh, God. So people are going to figure out which manatee I am. Oh. They know uh, your name's Sam. They know your birthday. I'm just saying. Well, it's Sam could just be my code name. Right. Yeah. Like the Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle intentional tie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I I kind of love this character. <laughs> I I didn't read too many of the original comic strips because they're 
know, produced in 1936, and they are very silly, like most comics are. <laughs> this was a little bit before Batman came out, when Batman started, and when Batman first came out, he had the Speedo and the two guns thing, and used to shoot guys until they decided that they, uh, need to reuse villains. So Phantom's in large part responsible for Batman. Not entirely, but a big part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, he was one of the first legacy characters, which everything rips off now. Um, where other than those big three, everyone has multiple secret enemies they go through because that's how you update stories without just doing what X-Men does, things a little smarter, just changing whichever backstory historical events you use, so everyone's always 35. <laughs> and reminds me a lot of Assassin's Creed in particular, where it's a good premise because you can always just pop into a different time period and have sort of the same character, but sort of not. Especially because in the comics, they're all named Kid Walker, <laughs> which makes it even easier. Kit, son of Kit, this is my son Kit. <laughs> God, <laughs> uh, and that's my spiel on the character. Alright. Now, none of this reverence and, uh, recognition of the importance of the character has a huge effect on the quality of the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't mean to imply it does. Uh, but I think it does sort of head off the why people thought this would be a pretty big success when they first made it. Be because it wasn't, right? Like, I, I got a bunch of conflicting figures, so I don't know which one's exactly accurate. But it cost something like $40 million to make and made less than half of that back. Ooh. Seems to be the general consensus. But I, I found like a bunch of different, like 12 million, 18 million. The figures conflict so much that I don't want to like parrot any of them because I don't know which one's right. But, uh, not good. Seems to be the consensus. Yeah. Well, I didn't, um, 
Now, of course, this, this shows the complete lack of research on my side, because all I did was uh, just take notes on the movie itself. But sure, sure. Wasn't this was this was right around the same time as Batman and Robin came out, right? Yeah, I think it was. It would have been after Batman. So after Batman Forever, but. Cause yeah, this, cause this was around the point where, like, the like the general public started to sort of sour on superhero movies in general. And even though the Phantom wasn't necessarily like a superhero superhero in the same sort of traditional idea as a Superman or a Batman or any of those other kind of characters. Like, he, he was still in that sort of pantheon. So, I think people were just starting to kind of sour on superheroes just in general, and this wasn't... Despite, like, all of the history surrounding the Phantom, I think people really didn't kind of get it around that. What? Did they really sour? Because, like, the, the Spider-Man movies and X-Men came out pretty soon after. Like, it, they soured on, but I think they only soured on for, like, three or four years, didn't they? Yeah, but that was, that was like, it was like serious, hardcore, like souring, like no one wanted to see anything, because I think Batman and Robin basically killed the superhero genre until Spider-Man came out, which, yeah, it was only like three or four years, but that was three or four years with like no superhero movies at all. When, when was Blade? Because Blade, I am. Yeah, his mind was a superhero movie. True. Uh, kind of. Film. I'm doing the research right now because I have Wikipedia open. Uh, behind the scenes. Uh, oh, okay, Blade was only 1998, so it was only a couple of years after. I, hmm. So, another fun fact, kind of related, is that, uh, you can see the mask, so it looks like Robin's mask. It's the same 90s, like, rubber with the eyeshadow thing, instead of just a mask. Uh... They had originally made a molded rubber suit for the Phantom like Batman and Robin have, you know, the fake muscles and everything. But then when they cast Billy Zane and he apparently worked out for like a year for the role, they realized we don't 
need that. It's fine. <laughs> Just put Billy Zane out there. He'll be fine. So that's fun because, like, well, we weren't anticipating casting such a beautiful man. <laughs> so, <laughs> also, he apparently they filmed all the scenes as uh, Kit. I'm, I'm gonna keep saying Kit Harrington, Kit Walker. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've only seen like three episodes of Game of Thrones, so I know that name, but that's all I know it from. Was that Game it's of Thrones? Just, I, yeah, it's okay. just only so many people named Kit. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. Uh, he filmed all the scenes as Kit Walker, I guess much earlier than all the Phantom scenes, because after they were finished, shooting all the Kit Walker scenes, he shaved his head so that it would fit in the cowl better. Ah, uh, okay. So, that's not huge, like, he's such a good actor, but, uh, <laughs> it is most of the look you see is just, it's just, it's just pure sweet same and there's no <laughs> there's no trigger now okay this is something that I don't know if you noticed but it's something that I kind of I couldn't not think of it every time he had the, the phantom mask on for some reason, he looked like Jeff Goldblum to me. Like his, he had this, his, his face reminded me of I Jeff Goldblum. Can see it. Just a little yeah, I bit. Can see that. Just a little bit. Uh, I, uh, the Phantom starring Jeff Goldblum would have been a very different movie. But yeah. I think I would have also liked it. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, that was, that was just, I, I noticed that the first, when I watched it the first time, because I watched the movie twice, because I feel like I kind of have to, uh, especially a movie of this magnitude, I think you need to watch yeah. at least twice. But I, uh... I watched it, I don't know, like, four times? <laughs> twice I, for the notes, and then twice just to see more Billy's <laughs> I don't blame you, and I probably would have done the same if I hadn't been under some slight time constraints. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was under time constraints. I love some big time stuff. <laughs> um, 
Nah, I got nothing. Oh, no. so one fun thing I think about his uh, performances, The Phantom, I'm used to, at this point, the, uh, the taking it slightly more seriously, like Batman movies and Daredevil TV show and stuff, where the hero, once he's got his costume on, also holds himself a little differently and uses a different voice and stuff. <laughs> like the Christopher Reeve Superman, it, 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 it's silly, it's often made fun of, but you can kind of tell with his performance in particular when you watch the movie, uh, why or you kind of believe, rather, that people wouldn't assume they were the same person. Yeah. Like, just how he holds himself and his voice and his face and everything is different. Zane <laughs> does not do that. Like, he is clearly... He's always got that, like, that... Just that... that that's Billy Zane voice. Yeah. And then when he's his secret in, he's still like posing with his hands on his hips <laughs> and shit. And he's just. He's super the phantom yeah. all the time. <laughs> to the point where, like, the cabbie who barely sees his face anyway just hears his voice. Like. <laughs> He just doesn't get it. <laughs> totally would. He's. <laughs> and I kind of love that where there's no effort whatsoever. He also doesn't wear gloves. Maybe fingerprinting wasn't a big thing in the 30s yet, but it was definitely possible. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. just, just, just good. Well, it's I, just very good. I feel like they kind of lampshade that near the end of the movie anyway, so. But, that's eh, okay. <laughs> Wait, no, like, actually, I already know. And yeah. actually, everybody already knows. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually, I hate to break it to you, but everyone present knows your secret identity and has been this entire run. <laughs> okay. Um. Some of the casting they went to, that they considered them to go with was Bruce Campbell for the Phantom. And I like Bruce Campbell, I think that could have worked. Bill is in is much better. I got. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Bruce. No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I like Bruce Campbell plenty. I think he kind of works as a swashbuckler. Still. Yeah. Did you see that show he was in? Jack of All Trades or something? Where he was... I... Yeah, I, swash I, I saw a couple episodes of that. Yeah. I think it was another one of those Sam Raimi, like, New Zealand studios things. Yeah. So it was never so. great, but he, he could have worked at the Phantom. Yeah. No regrets. Billy Sane definitely worked at the Phantom. <laughs> and would work as Batman. And would work as Superman. But... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to a the plot that's pretty much all of the gushing over <laughs> uh, like I I really can't this listen this is a bad movie <laughs> I really like this bad movie that's uh, I wouldn't say it's Okay, well, it's 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 not a okay, it's not a bad movie. <laughs> I would say there are parts of it that are terrible and stupid, but I don't think it's a bad movie. <laughs> okay, fair, but we'll we'll get to that. I'm sure when we get to it. Notice. Like, cards on the table. A lot of people hate this movie. I... I... I can see their points. Yeah. I'm not gonna say they're wrong, but listen, I love this movie. (laughs) And it's for all the same reasons that they hate the movie. So it's gonna be weird. That's probably... Yeah. (laughs) Like, all of you saying this is the worst superhero movie ever made, you're not super wrong, but listen. (laughs) There's... sure there were superhero movies that we've watched for this podcast. Well, I think this one's more aware that it's a comedy than most are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, they do things... The dialogue is not how people talk. But it is how people talked in comics, where you sort of, like, explain things that are clearly going on around you for no reason. Mm-hmm. And introduce yourself and reiterate things for no reason. The fight choreography which seems really bad 
is pretty intentional, I think, because they're like holding poses for a second, so you can make absolutely sure you see what's about to happen. It's over dramatic and weird. I never thought about that. I guess that actually is that that must be why, because I I definitely thought that was one of the one of my sort of gripes, but not really like a big problem with this movie was that the fight scenes did feel, it, it looked very stiff and very choreographed, but I guess maybe that's why, was because they were taking the cues from the comics and actually, like you said, just sort of posing while they were while they were actually fighting. Never well, thought you about take virtually take virtually any freeze frame from the fights and it looks like pretty well composed and melodramatic like a comics uh, screen would. It's just very silly. Yeah. <laughs> also, apparently, and I just heard this from someone's opinion blog, so I don't know if it's true, true. It was a lot funnier, and then after test screening, the studio cut a lot of the comedic features because they wanted to take more seriously, which was a mistake, I think. Yeah. If it's true, I don't know if it is, but... Well, it's a shame if they did. Because, I mean, it, it definitely had humorous moments. Uh, but I, I would have been okay with more humor in it. Yeah, it's... I mean, the humor is the strongest part of it, I thought. It was, uh... It's like, it's... We're all having fun here. It yeah. seems to say, like, villains, heroes, everyone. <laughs> Which is, it's, it's the exact opposite approach to superhero filmmaking as, say, the DC Universe. Or <laughs> like, we need less color and everyone hates life. Like, Phantom's <laughs> like, eh, what if, what if his jungle camouflage is a bright purple bodysuit? And he rides uh, a white horse through the jungle. Yeah. What if... You know what? Let's have a scene where the dog and the horse fucking talk to each other. Let's do that. What if... What if the villain is having such a good time, he actually literally yells, I love this, <laughs> while shit's happening. Like, if you're, 
if you're not smiling or about to crack up, you're doing it wrong. Like, I actually really like that. <laughs> I will freely admit that the scene where the, where the wolf talks to the horse is one of my favorite scenes in this movie. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's so improbable. It's like, okay, it's still adorable. I needed subtitles. That would have made it for me. <laughs> well, they didn't have subtitles for the kid at the beginning, so why would they have subtitles for the wolf and the horse? I guess that's true. Oh, fair point. I would draw my complaint. Alright. <laughs> It's a perfect film. <laughs> Eleven out of ten. So, listen, in this fucking movie, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the very first screen in it is an announcement that says, For those who came in late. <laughs> um, and then I think that's a reference to old movie serials, maybe? Maybe. Or it could have been just the fact that there was already 60 years of history for the Phantom by that point. So maybe they're just uh, maybe fair. they're just trolling the audience and saying, <clears throat> why haven't you read the last 60 years of the Phantom comic strip? I don't know. But it, it probably is more of the serial thing, like you were saying. Well, and they do what I frankly wish more modern superhero movies did, which is the origin story is the first three minutes of the movie, and then it's done. Yeah, it's like, do you get it? He fights pirates. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like a minute and a half. Yeah, it was so okay, so so his basic origin is his his he was on a boat but they can't decide if it's Africa or Pacifica Southeast Asia, whatever. It's definitely Asia, not Africa, but he's supposed to be an African superhero. Or not, I forget when they changed it. But there's this place called Bengala. He's, his, his ship is wrecked near it, or it's pirated, it's destroyed. Yeah. He 
washes up on shore, they immediately make him their god for some reason. Well, no, we forgot about the part where the pirates killed his dad. Which is kind right. of well, the killer's kind of the impetus for the whole thing. But... Right. Yeah. So, I mean... But, I mean, that's what pirates do. They kill everyone. Right. But I, I, I mean, I, I know, I understand that's implied, but we kind of skipped that one part. <laughs> so, like, it happened, what, 400 years ago? The guy, the, the kid's dad gets killed by pirates. He gets washed up on shore in Africa, and then the, the, the natives take him in like you said, making their god. And uh, they they go through this ceremony and give him this uh, ring with a skull on it. And that's... Yeah, it's, it's, the, the, it's a Schwartz ring. Space <laughs> oh my god. It's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it is <laughs> which they just have oh shit now I have to go watch baseballs again <laughs> they also they, they don't give any explanation in the movie least as to why he's their god as soon as you watch them I'm sure but we ignore it. Yeah. Because, uh, it's like, is it super racist? Probably. Is it explained in the plot? Maybe. What about, fuck you, we're gonna fight pirates real quick. Uh, and then they don't they don't really spend much time explaining like how his relationship with Bengal works like in the comics the he gets summoned to deal with the problems for them that's his whole job so he's like their cop slash half worshipped like that's why he has a cave full of gold and bullshit okay they don't really explain any of that in the movie so a lot of it's just kind of weird <laughs> well I think they sort of half explain it because well no they, they kind of half explain that the Phantom was just sort of their protector over the last 400 years, even though, admittedly, over the course of the film, he does very little protecting, and the natives actually do a lot more of the protecting of him than he does of them. But we'll get to that when we get to it, I suppose. Yeah, but 
but, but it's lost if you sort of have to pick. Like, there's a lot of stuff I get about it now after watching four times. That yeah, that's, that's true. It uh, did take me two viewings to kind of notice several of those things. Like, the, the first time it was just I missed a lot of details. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Which is not, look, it doesn't have to be explicit, explicit, but it was a little confusing the first couple times through. Yeah. Uh, so we cut from that to 1938 with uh, James Remar, mm-hmm. aka Dexter's dad. Yep. <laughs> that was. That was the first of many times that I had to stop the movie and was like, I know who that is, but I don't know who it is. Well, there's a hint because this movie also features a ghost dad. Right. Which is his oeuvre. Yes. No, it makes sense. It makes sense now, but I had to look up who it was, because, like, we're 14 seconds into the movie, and it's like, okay, I know that voice, I kind of know that face, who is that? Oh, that's Dexter's dad, okay. Then, of course, I could never think of him as anything other than Dexter's dad. Except a much more violent Dexter's dad. This is actually the second costume vigilante... Vigilante? Vigilante. The second costume vigilante movie with James Trimmer in we've done this podcast because me and Anthony did one on Judge Dredd. Oh. And James Remar is slain by Judge Dredd before he was slain by the Phantom. Oh. There's another thing he likes doing. <laughs> Getting killed by costume vigilantes. Yeah. Interesting. I need it's to- a living. I, <laughs> was that the the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd? Yeah. Okay. Not the the not, not the, the according to a lot of people that I've heard from. Yeah. I need to or, see that one actually. Which which one's the musician? Which one's the actor? There's Keith Urban and Carl Urban. I don't know which one's Keith Urban is the musician. Carl Urban okay. is the... Which, which character was he in Lord of the Rings? Aomer. Aomer. Son of... Son of... Theomer or something. Okay. Right. Brother of Aowen. There you go. Uh, 
the kind of cool guy who looks a little like Aragorn who shows up in the second half of the second movie and then the third movie and you're like, I guess he's still there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to I need to see Judge Dredd again for both both uh, well I need to see the first one again and I need to watch this I I'd like to see the first one again I don't I don't want to or need to but I'd like to whether or not it's good you, you certainly can. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not obligated to do so, but I'd like oh. to. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and you, you should, so then you can appreciate better our episode where we tell everyone how bad it is. Oh yeah, no, but totally. <laughs> It's, it's got some strengths. <laughs> you have to look for them, but they're there. So we're in 1930 with Dexter's dad as evil Indiana Jones. Yep. Or, if we're being fair and considering colonialism for what it is... Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, and as if to hammer that point home, he is wearing Indiana Jones's costume. He is heading across the bridge from Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade to get to the cave from Indiana Jones' The Raiders of Lost Ark. <laughs> With, like, three goons and... Uh, a, a young native boy that he's just abusing to hell <laughs> but seems to kind of like him maybe just because kids are bad actors yeah um, <laughs> and he has notably a ring imprint on his face which is also from the comics because his ring so, in the comics, are we gonna, okay, I was gonna say how deep we're gonna go into this part. I'm going straight up my own ass with the comics. That sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, in the comics, the reason he's wearing purple all the time is because there's a special plant with a mystical dye that can't wash out that is purple in the jungle. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the way it was drawn, at least from a couple panels I've seen, he blends in 
more night in jungle news don't film at all at night time here so it doesn't really work yeah and that means that his costume never really wears out and never tears never sort of goes threadbare or something so it's a minor very minor superpower but a cool one and he also has a ring that he covers with that die in a way that's not set so when he punches an enemy with that ring if he's decided they're a really bad guy and he's marked them it's an instant tattoo they don't include that in the movie so you just wonder why this thing never healed because to put an imprint through guys like face skin like that you'd have to punch way harder than you need to break his skull so which doesn't which was tested on Mythbusters yeah yeah what was it like like seven times skull crushing power to actually Probably brand uh, face skin. Yeah, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. So it's it's a brief nod to, and it's never addressed again. There's only one guy who has the mark on him at all. He also in the comics had like a friend ring. He would do the same thing with. So it's silly. Hmm. <laughs> he could mark allies, which is not even the thing you want. <laughs> <laughs> They're going through the jungle. It's a kind of funny scene. Um, I cracked up when they made the kid drive across the bridge <laughs> yeah. to the that was pretty great. And also establishes these are like just shit heel bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which might not have come across because they're pretty charismatic like everyone is in this movie. So I appreciate that. We're like, no, 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 no. I know you like these guys, but listen. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna make a child drive a truck across a rickety bridge. They're the bad guys. They're afraid they'll lose their lives, so they're going to make a child possibly lose his. I did actually, when they, when the. As the kid was getting the truck, like, at the very end of it across the bridge, and then he steps on the gas and starts to freak all the guys out, I enjoyed that quite a bit. 
leaves the kids yeah. just fucking with them too. I mean, he's still a kid getting to drive for a second. Yeah, it's fun no matter what you how you do it exactly. Uh, well, okay, so go to the spooky cave. I I wrote that exact thing down too, with several O's. Spooky cave. How many O's? I want to see how uh, insane you are. Here. Mine has five. Five uh, O's. I have seven O's. Okay. So we're... So you're getting a good cross-section of vastly different views of this movie. Yeah. Listeners at home. Yeah. Could we possibly spend too much time together? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever gives you that idea. <laughs> So spooky cave literally full of skulls. Mm-hmm. That's okay. No, I, I I have a question for you about this. When when they're in this when they're in there now, okay. I'm not a historian. Um but were maglites a thing in the thirties? I actually don't know. You're the one that's got, like, Wikipedia open, yeah? Uh, yeah. Okay. I should have actually looked this up before we started. Because it really is, like, they they have mag lights. The one they're looking through. Or it looks like they're mag lights, right? We've, we've had flashlights for a good long while, The the main issue for them was battery life more than uh, portability, I think. Right. Okay. Maglite, brand of flashlight manufactured in the United States by Mag Instruments. Uh, founded by Anthony Maglica. Okay. Introduced in 1979. Okay, so not magnets, they have flashlights. But yeah. I mean, that might be. Uh, they, they looked like maglites to me, but I could be wrong also. I don't know. I mean, it might be an anachronism. There are a bunch in this movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Okay, so... A submarine figures prominently at some point. (laughs) Fair. Okay. To be... Okay, now... I will admit, because looking at the flashlight entry on Wikipedia, it does say the first dry cell battery was invented in 1887. So... They've been around for a while. It just it seemed like that particular style of flashlight that they had looked more recent than 
something that they would have had in 1938. But again, I'm not a historian, so I don't know. It, yeah, it might have been. I mean, my, my grandpa was in the Pacific Theater in like 46. 46, 46. I, I'm really bad at history. And he has a bunch of his gear still that uh, we got to sort of pick over like vultures when he died. Um, and he had some some stuff looked pretty contemporary, like their 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 belt gear, their little stuff that didn't need microchips was all. That stuff hasn't come that far, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the even the truck in this one, like it's clearly contemporary. I don't know if they got accurately, but it's clearly a pre-50s truck. Yeah. And it's, it's still just a fucking truck. Like I could drive it and it'd be fine. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, that's fair. Their guns are the same. I have a gun that was made in like the 20s. It's exactly, exactly a cheap modern one. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, none of this is actual knowledge, but I, yeah. I think they probably had flashlights of some kind. I'm sure they did. It just, they. It seemed like the the kind they had seemed more modern than I would have expected. But then again, like you said, certain technologies don't really they might not evolve very you know, very much after their their the technologies created fairly strongly. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, well, tires haven't changed for like 200 years because we figured it out and it's fine. Like, yeah. it's a. Yeah. I don't know if flashlights are like that, but I think it is one of those things where. I don't know, do you wanna. You wanna add a GPS to it or something? Like, what can we do with it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking light bulb that's narrowed in a direction like I don't know <laughs> that's fair yeah I think the only thing they've improved on is battery life and then the different types of bulbs that were used in the flashlights. So. Have you ever used one of those ones that you charge the battery by walking? No. Yeah, it's like the motion of the flashlight, if you clip it to your belt, the thing is it doesn't work if you're holding it steady in front of you, which is when you would need it. 
keep charge of this. But during the daytime, if you clip it onto your belt so it can swing, the motion recharges the battery. It's uh, it's pretty sweet for hikers. It, huh. it seems like a miracle technology. I think it's like 50 years old. <laughs> but I was gonna say, cause I know I've definitely used like crank flashlights before. But I've never yeah, it's used... basically the same thing, except it's a, uh, it's, it's a minor sort of physical design tweak, but it has a little carabiner on the bottom so you can hook it onto your belt. Then if you're walking with a relatively normal gait that swings back and forth on your belt, uh, by the time the sun goes down, it'll be fully charged again. Hmm. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Damn. Uh, if I could drink water, it would be all I need in the wild. But I can't, so... <laughs> I also have pretty good night vision, so I tend not to use them anyway. But, uh, it's a cool idea. <laughs> Also, I'm a manatee, so I don't hike, so never mind all of them. Whoops, 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 whoops. So, um, so one of Quill's guys finds the skull that they're looking for. I don't, I don't remember the guy's name because he was in the movie for five minutes. And before that, are they not just stealing actual skulls? I guess so they, they were, It cuts yeah. to, like, the two goons that are just, like, putting people's heads in bags <laughs> or something. Like... <laughs> Yeah, kinda. <laughs> and then one of them finds this silver skull with gemstones for in the eye sockets. And, uh, he, he tosses it yeah. to Quill, which I thought, that's, that's bold. I don't know. That's I silver. Don't, I don't know how dur durable silver is. I mean, it's it's probably not that malleable nowadays or at this point, but it still seems like it's a trust exercise to make. Yeah, it's... Uh, you wouldn't throw the jade one out, I think. But yeah, that one would shatter if you dropped it. <laughs> Maybe. I actually know nothing Maybe. about Jake, so I'm not a rich person. Yeah. But maybe it's like diamonds where it looks super delicate. It's actually harder than everything. Possibly. Yeah, I don't know. Fucking diamonds. Yeah. It's cheating. <laughs> you look like glass. Break. <laughs> Break. <laughs> 
No. They don't go back to it. It just happens. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, he's dead. And then there are drums. And then they leave. After yeah, taking so more I guess, money. So the drums are like the Phantom's bat signal. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. Because there's that super obvious tribesman who's hidden in a tree mm-hmm. without any branches covering him, <laughs> like six feet off the ground outside. He is unwilling to do anything to defend this cave. <laughs> but he does run off and get this other guy who looks about as physically capable as him. Uh, and they summon him from his weird sepulchral throne within the earth. <laughs> Which I needed them to spend a little bit more time on, but he, excuse me. <laughs> What's he doing all day when he's not out on a job? Because it looks like he's undead and hanging out on stone throne deep in the earth. Not moving. <laughs> Which is dope. But this is pre iPod, so what's he doing? <laughs> like, well, I mean, he has all those tomes that he reads later on. Maybe that's what he's doing. I don't know. I actually. <laughs> I mean. Probably the main reason why they summon him uh, as opposed to the natives actually going in to fight those guys is because the Phantom has a gun. I mean, that's... That's that's like his main advantage over all of them. I'm, I'm just saying, I think three of those guys who went and got the Phantom could have also dealt with the situation. Probably, probably, yeah. Especially if they have fucking necromancers. <laughs> like, that mummy, no one talks about it. Yeah. It wasn't like a trap. You don't see him, like, spring a, a stick or a string or something that makes it snap out and kill or anything. It just wakes up and chokes him to death. Yeah. <laughs> and then James Remar's like, he's dead. It choked him. They all glare at the mummy and then leave. Like... Well, they, they, they even try shooting at it a few times. And then the guy just dies. Yeah, but it's... It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Hold on. We were sent to steal some metal 
Now our worldview is turned upside down. Stay with this for a minute. <laughs> but no. No, they just uh, they just leave. They just leave. So, so we're introduced to the Phantom, who I think is exactly corny enough. It's completely subjective. Uh, but I love the exaggerated combat movements. I love that the costume is just spandex. Um, just, a, just a beautiful man. And I and you will not hear any arguments from me on this matter. <laughs> and they do exactly the scene from Indiana Jones where it comes in from the passenger side and tries to punch the guy who's driving the car in the 30s. It's, it's, it's the same movie. Actually, has the same writer jumps out of me now more than it did. Uh, he slams a guy into a tree, which definitely shakes like a rubber tree would. That um, <laughs> now, if, if, damn it. It would have been very easy to, like, have a pillow hidden on the other side of the tree because you see it from the back. But no, they got a whole thick tree. So they could not make their money back on the movie. <laughs> I mean, money might not Uh, it's a tree like you that. can nail shit to. You can nail a whole sleeping bag to it and <laughs> just have them bump into that. <laughs> I was going to say the first time that I saw this movie that looked really painful, but you took all the wind out of my sails on that one. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Sorry. Also, he doesn't... He doesn't kill anyone until, like, the very end of this movie, right? His guns are specifically for shooting guns out of people's hands. And his wolf is specifically for growling at people so they don't move. There's no, like... Yeah. He never actually... Other than this guy who probably died from getting face planted into a tree at whatever, 20 miles an hour, horseback riding gallop. Uh, <laughs> no one is significantly injured. Well, yeah, not by him anyway. Uh, they do the scene where he has to save the kid who's on the bridge, which he knew was going to come back. Mm-hmm. It's okay. 
swings away in dramatic fashion, which is very nice when they do the wide shot. And it's very clear that's not how physics works, but it's fine. Yeah. It's all fine. <laughs> and I mean, we do get to see a very nice, uh, a nice view of the of the surrounding area, a very nice nature shot as the truck falls and explodes as though it had several thousand gallons of gasoline in it. Yeah, it's, it's, that truck could have been full of nitroglycerin, (laughs) that would even make sense if they're like a weird mining tumorating operation. Yeah. But, gotta have a shot of it so you know the stakes before it's an instant bomb. Yeah, and I'm I'm fairly certain that when the Phantom and the kid were in the back of the truck, it was an empty truck. Yeah, so, and also, I mean, it's fine. We're all having fun here. Yeah. Explosion's good. Of course. But you could just drop a truck that far onto rocks and still kill everyone on board. It's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah you, uh-huh. you, you don't need a giant explosion. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're going to be pulped. Uh, cremation is <laughs> optional. Uh, so then he goes back to his sweet cave mansion. Yes. Which I am jealous of. <laughs> Most caves you find on your property, they're, they're like heritage sites. You get preserved, so you can't actually move in. He's destroyed a lot of slagtites and like cave ecosystems and stuff, but I'm still <laughs> jealous of his sweet pad. Um, and he has, so he has a slave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is the 30s. No, it is. He's, it's the only white on the out, except for this invading force he talks to like friends. <laughs> he, he does have this poor slave that he mistreats while he's trying to like not give him sepsis. Doesn't really mistreat, it seemed to be. I'm exaggerating for you. <laughs> seems like they're friends. Um, they used to have a lot of that, right? Like, Johnny Quest had, like, Haji and, like, 
the the small boy in a turban who does everything for you was like a trope for a while. And I don't know how British colonial forces worked, but I guess you just got one. I guess like, so, yeah. Like if you were white and you go any place you're just like oh here have a boy <laughs> like <laughs> uh, I don't know <laughs> so he has a slave and there's an army base of all the invaders he gets along with really well uh, that's my modern SJW bullshit sensitivities coming into a ballistic. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, it's especially weird for a guy who nominally serves these people. But... And it's unclear is the Phantom's power that he can see and communicate with ghosts or is Billy Zane crazy? I'm fairly certain it's Billy Zane is crazy because I think we we get a couple we get at least one other scene later on where he's talking to his father who is Played by Patrick McGoo, and I might also mention. Yeah, he's <laughs> the prisoner himself. Yes. Um, and, yeah, because he's definitely talking to his, his dead father, uh, who we don't know is his father, I think, until much later in the movie. But yeah, maybe, maybe he does have the power to talk to other spirits or phantoms, if you will. Uh, what? Right? What? I yeah. Or or I I'm pretty sure he's just insane, is what it is, honestly, because. Uh, there's the scene later where he's talking to his dad in the back of the cab, and the cabbie's definitely like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> well, my follow-up question is, is that a character choice that was written to script, or did Billy Zane keep talking to ghosts and they had to roll with it. <laughs> so they just edited in this father character who wasn't gonna be in the movie. He's like, he's doing it again, he's doing it again. That, okay, that part I'm not 100% sure on. Because <laughs> admittedly, I don't know Billy saying that well in real life. I don't know if he talks to spirits or phantoms or ghosts or what have you. He might. 
I was I was mildly disappointed that it didn't depend on having the skull there, because he has like everyone's bones in his house with him. <laughs> and then we keep getting shots of his skull belt and his skull ring and his fucking horse's skull belt. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought he had some powers like had to do with skulls, but then when he's in the cab, it's just no, no, it's wherever he wants to be. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and and I just I want to live in a cave, and that's where I'm at. <laughs> Uh, I've seen caves in real life that have that thing where they have this sort of wrought iron gate that's drilled into the walls to keep, you know, vandals out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking, like, okay, but what if I just... What if I, I bought a cave and put one of those in, and then I have the key, and then I can fill it with jewels and gold? <laughs> because that's... <laughs> and I can sit there on a, on a stone chair in the dark with all of my jewels, <laughs> and that'll be it. <laughs> That actually doesn't sound like a terrible life. Yeah, then as long as I can make it back there before I die, it's also a sweet tomb. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, what a wonderful uh, life. I just think it would be really convenient if instead of being having to be buried when I die, you just lock the front door. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that makes sense. It's like, okay, well, now this is a mausoleum. <laughs> it was his creepy living room. And now it's his creepy tomb. In 4,000 years, archaeologists will be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why was he in tune with an Xbox? (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Because it's where I lived. But but how would you play the Xbox? Would you have electricity in your cave? The sheer amount of time he spends putting candles everywhere, or his slave spins putting candles everywhere, you could also wire that place pretty easily, I think. Or he had like a hand crank Xbox, maybe? Maybe, because just like, he's on the equator, you could have a solar panel outside and then just wires run along the walls. You don't have to embed them in the wall. You can just stick them up. That's fair. 
because I kinda saw him as some creepy stalker slash rapist. What? I didn't know if he was... That's a valid interpretation. My assumption was that he was like, he was some sort of weird blue blood arranged marriage sort of thing. And then he wasn't just like assuming. Cause it seems like they have some sort of history or why is he even there? Or why is she tolerating his presence? But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I it didn't it didn't seem like they had I mean they definitely had some sort of history, but it definitely seemed, as the movie went on, that it was more like a, uh, why is she tolerating this kind of crap? I don't know. Yeah. But he doesn't... Well, that's fair. I, I mean, that, that was just my, that was just my interpretation of it, was just... When he, like, walks in, and I, I mean, I don't know, because it, it didn't seem like they had some sort of arrangement, at least as far as their, her parents were concerned. Like, they point him out at the party, and she's just like, great, I'm going to go get something to eat. So... I don't know if they actually had some sort of arrangement prior to the movie starting, but it does well, her her aunt points him out, right? Right. Yeah. So Jimmy's here. Yeah. But I don't know if that's. I don't know if it was specifically like they. They had some sort of arrangement prior to the movie, or if he's just some creepy rapist. Because <laughs> he doesn't do anything aggressive or manipulative, though. It's just well, sort of he definitely forces himself on her when they're in the kitchen. Does he? Yeah. He, like, he definitely, like, forces a kiss on her. Which isn't, doesn't sound like a lot, but that's still assault. <laughs> if she's not oh, looking for it. I guess I didn't read that as, uh, her not wanting to, or those are her never being impressed by his kisses thing. Oh, okay. I don't know. Just... Uh, no, and I could be wrong. Just from the level of failure, I was assuming they had some sort of weird history and he's just her lame upper-class boyfriend that, uh, fiance but you could be absolutely right I don't know 
Um, that was that was just my interpretation when I when I caught him the first. I mean, at least in the first time, he just definitely seemed just really creepy. And then when he just, you know, forced himself on her in the kitchen, it's like, okay, he's, uh, a little too much like Donald Trump, but whatever. We'll get, uh, thankfully he was only in there like two more times and was, well, oddly vital to the plot later on, but... Well, well, there are a bunch of people who just come in to tell the Phantom something and then disappear forever. <laughs> like that's yeah. it. That's but I, I read him as more of a, a less uh, dangerous Billy Zane from Titanic. Like I read Xander Grax as a uh, less ridiculous boozing from Blood Rain. <laughs> and that's when I hatched what I think would have made this movie a lot better. Okay. Which is, what if you cast Billy Zane in a lot more roles? <laughs> and just sort of green screened it so he can play opposite himself. <laughs> Because we know he's got the chops. Yeah. And wouldn't that be something? It's like the Phantom starring Billy Zane and Billy Zane and Billy Zane, Chrissy Swanson, and Carrie Hiroki Tagawa. And also, what if you replace Kristen Swanson with. <laughs> Also, Catherine Zeta-Jones, <laughs> and literally every female of Catherine Zeta-Jones, literally every male of Billy Zane, and then, of, of course, keep Shang Tsung, but uh, <laughs> as... And then he stands out a lot more as a villain when he comes in. He's the only guy who's not Billy Zane and Kevin Zane Jones. Like, oh shit. <laughs> or he could be every pirate in a different shirt or something. <laughs> Because you have to have a character actor. You have to have that <laughs> guy. Billy Zane as white guys. <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones as women. Uh, and then Carrie Yuki Tagawa as Asians. <laughs> Done. Three actors, pay them whatever they want. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I would watch that movie every night before I fell asleep. I, I would be okay with this. 
be more than okay with this, actually. I, I don't think my group is ever going to realize, but <laughs> we can always dream. Anyway, uh, Jimmy, creepy stalker, or just lame, not serious about it, boyfriend. Um, I do like his line when he comes in and he's just sort of, you know, I had half a thought to fly up there and take you up in my arms and bring you back home. She's like, why didn't you? Oh, I fucking played some tennis down <laughs> soda and I just kind of didn't want to anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I like that he knows exactly how lame he is and doesn't give any shits. <laughs> He's just... <laughs> it's the latter like she's just some spoiled rich girl who decides to go on expeditions across the world but Xander Drax is lame he wants to use all his money to collect skulls I'm Brad I use all my money to go Collect other artifacts that aren't mine or <laughs> something like it's Yeah. Uh, 
was a, a, a nice, honest newspaper guy mm-hmm. who is a terrible judge of character because <laughs> he's saying two Xander tracks like in it. I don't trust you, you're bad, and you're with the mob, and you're a pirate, and you're the devil, and all these things. While he's, while he's in or Drax is hanging out with the chief of police and, like, the mayor. Yeah. And he's like, come on, chief of police and mayor, I have a secret meeting. We're going to talk about your friend. <laughs> like, and they betray him. <laughs> Which... I do like that during that meeting that he had with the mayor and the chief of police that he mentions that he has a highly placed source at the library. Like that's... I mean, I, I guess... It is the 30s, so libraries are bastions of of civility and importance. I forget about that sometimes, considering the libraries are so okay. Yeah, I know, but it's it's been 80 years, and they're not as important as as they used to be, unfortunately. I feel like the really big ones still are. Like most libraries I go to are sort of the the library in the park by the Burger King. Mm-hmm. But there's the big central libraries like the stacks upstairs and the Oh yeah, now I'm needing permission and gloves to go in and stuff. And then there's the ones that I hang out at, which are mostly homeless people using the internet. <laughs> which is also fine. Like, yeah, they should be able to. Uh, but it's a, it's a very different vibe when it's like an archival library versus a donated paperback library. Yeah, I gotcha. And they're in New York City, so it's probably a huge one with the lines outside and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They cut the airport to establish that this plane she's gonna go on is a pontoon water plane because they all are because this movie fucking loves water planes and so do I so I'm in Um, then this oh my god this goddamn pleated microscope thing what like there's okay the only reason I don't I can't even 
fathom why someone would need that. <laughs> Except if you were a supervillain like Drax. Well, also, like, it's... He's, he's gonna have to kill that guy immediately afterwards anyway. He's screaming his head off and bleeding all over your office. Because you poked his eyes out with an elaborate microscope trap that he then lures into saying like, before you go, I'd like you to look at something through my microscope. Like, he doesn't even come from the stores. He's like, he asks for, he asks for the librarian's professional opinion on something in the microscope. Like, yeah, and then the, the librarian's like, I don't know how to adjust the focus. The focus on it's like use the focus knob. But he tells him everything to do. He gets poked in the eyes with exacto knives he's put in the microscope or something. Super gross. Uh, <laughs> Appropriate punishment for someone who had seen the wrong things or something. But super weird, really elaborate. What are you doing? <laughs> and now you've got to put a bullet in him anyway. Look, there's no. Yeah. Yeah. Sander. <laughs> Xander Babe <laughs> I actually do love him um, Yeah very elaborate, it's very silly. I got nothing else to say about it. <laughs> what the hell? This is one of the only things I remember from the movie when I saw it when I was like 12. Because <laughs> I was a little afraid of my scopes. <laughs> Or putting my eyes on anything I hadn't tested before ever since. Which isn't unwise, because they're sometimes super dirty and stuff, but yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. Then we have an airplane hijacking. Yeah. We assume because it shows the outside where two, like, fighter planes are approaching this this giant pasture pontoon plane. And then the, the Phantom looks directly at the camera and says, like, you don't get to see it. 
Then we cut to inside. <laughs> Where presumably something happened. Now they're being hijacked. Well, I mean, they have to shut off the hand crank radio that the slave is listening to. Oh, right, right, right. Sweet hand crank radio. So that's what he does all day in the Phantom's house, is yep. just wears his rotator cuff to dust. <laughs> so the Phantom doesn't miss any news about things happening in the middle of the ocean where he can't reach the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, we're introduced to... Catherine Zeta-Jones is the Sky Pirate from Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) They're all women. You don't get into that at all. It's just the thing they mentioned three times to make sure you get it. And they kidnap... What's her name? Diana. Diana. Thank you. You just call her Christy Swanson. It's fine. What is Catherine Zay Jones' name? Uh, I think it was like Sala or something. I I don't know. They they mentioned her name once. I always refer to her as Catherine Zeta-Jones in my show notes. So that's, yeah. that's how I'm going to refer to her, honestly. Fair enough. Hold on, I have to look this up because I'm curious. Okay, uh, yeah, Sala. I'm going with Catherine Zeta-Jones. And Saul's definitely in this movie. I'm not super sure why or how any of her motivations work. Because she suddenly does a, a heel turn like at the end of the movie for it seems like no reason. There's a couple minor contributing factors but not anything. Yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up. Let's, she, well, she has a face turn. She has a heel face turn because she seems like the bad guy or the bad lady at this point. She is the bad guy. Well, like, she's very overtly the bad guy. Yeah. But, that, I mean, but she definitely turns later on. She makes, she makes the face turn. She turns into the good guy, sort of. Sort of. Well, she... She acts like a crazy person all of the time. So it's really yeah. hard to tell. It's more of more like a heel face revolving door is what it is. 
at this point. Yeah, like, Because what does she do other than, like, taunt people, overtly want to fuck the Phantom, and then change sides? Like, those are her actions in this movie. Not even fuck the Phantom. Uh, say she wants to fuck the dead phantom. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, she wants to fuck dead kid. Right, right, right. She wants to fuck living the phantom. Right, sorry. My bad. Which, don't get me wrong, I get both of those. (laughs) But... (laughs) (laughs) One more than the other. <laughs> not not sufficient for a character. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay, was was it just me? Uh, was I the only one who actually kind of wanted? Catherine Zeta-Jones and the Phantom to end up together. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I want Catherine Zeta-Jones to be every female in this movie. Okay, yeah. (laughs) While Billy Zane's was every male in this movie. That's... Yeah. I I did not... I did not choose Kristen Swanson for my recast everyone is played by one actor. Um, I, like, I think she does fine for what the role is. She seems a little like contemporary teenager but that might be what they're going for anyway. This it, it, is fine. She's fine. But she's not Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Just like everyone else is fine, but they're not Billy (laughs) Zane. Or Carrie Hirugitagawa. Yeah. I mean, he's just... God. him in like these two big things I think but both of them he's been the rad sleeveless guy who owns an island somewhere and runs an evil organization and I I, I in my head I wonder like is he an actor or do they keep requesting permission to film parts of movies on his island? <laughs> you know, actually, uh, I don't know if you look at his his filmography. Uh, his very first film was an uncredited role in 
Big Trouble in Little China. Interesting. That's just one of the, what, background gangsters? Well, I'll speak. I think it was just probably a background gangster. I forget what it was. Look, it was what his name or what his character name was, but he was listed as uncredited, so it's it wasn't like a large part, but he was definitely in he was definitely in big trouble in Little China. That is my very favorite super problematic movie. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do love it. <laughs> He's listed as Wing Kong Man in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. It's the Wing Kong or the bad guys. Yeah. So he was probably just one of many of the gangsters, I would imagine. But now I have to watch the movie for the 37th time and look for it. Now that I kind of want to see it for the third time now and also see if he's in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the third time. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the next scene is the one where I'm 100% on this movie's side. Because mm -hmm. we, we cut to the, the invading slaver camp, who are the good guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and dude man the captain I don't know if he has a name I had a lot of trouble telling what this guy was saying <laughs> like he talked too fast with the accent normally I'm fine with that for some reason I, I couldn't catch it but uh, he turns the light on and the phantom is just there eating cookies. <laughs> <laughs> like, he does the Batman thing where he sneaks in, he's mysterious, he's in the office. Except he's definitely just sitting there in spandex, unflattering angle, his paunch is over his belt a little bit. And. When the light comes on, he sort of just looks up like he's been interrupted because he was just eating the cash It's while he was in the office together. <laughs> and they directly address, uh, like, you could just go in the door and like, I like the window, the window's cool. Like... <laughs> And I'm a hundred percent on board. <laughs> I I love how the Phantom loves being the Phantom. <laughs> like there's another part later on where on the boat, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but when Chris Swanson is like, "Your dog's a wolf." 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I know! <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> like, isn't this rad? <laughs> he's such a goofy grin on his face when he does that. I yeah. know. <laughs> I love that he loves being the Phantom, because I would too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, so he's eating cookies in the captain's office. <laughs> they talk about how, uh, Specifically, Christy Swanson was kidnapped, and Phantom's like, "What? I know her. I don't know her. I'm not. I'm not Killwalker." <laughs> but fortunately, the kid that he saved knows where the seaplane is. Which I guess means he's been, like, holding the kid in his cave for this whole time. I just didn't know it. <laughs> but I like how he... And he does the super charismatic Billy Zane thing. Where he's talking to the kid and sort of explaining. He doesn't quite get the translation, like, boat, boat with feet? Boat with feet? Seaplane. You mean seaplane, right? He means seaplane. <laughs> We're just... Uh... Yeah. And then they go right to there. Mm-hmm. Phantom goes to their boat, refuses to sneak on board, like, when no one's going up the gangplank, and instead... Elaborately skitters across a rope that is well above dock level. Uh, like it's in plain view and more visible than anything on the dock would be. Is it his bright profile? She's like. <laughs> <laughs> while his while his 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 wolf has uh actually managed to infiltrate very easily by going directly up the gangplank. Yeah, and like either people don't see the wolf or they don't care. It's like, yeah, oh, it's a fucking wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Just ignore it. Like <laughs> Which I've only been a few places where wolves just sort of like happened into things. I think that happened when I was working at the National Park that one time. Where I, like a wolf came up onto the deck and we're in the woods in wolf territory and it's still a big fucking deal. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, there's a wolf. <laughs> if I was on a 
boat was working. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a very tiny wolf. I think it's actually just like a husky or something they cast, but yeah, or not actually. I don't know, but it seems more coyote sized than wolf sized to me. Because wolves are like up to my chest when they're simple. Wolves are terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Sneaks across the rope. <laughs> my notes just get. My handwriting gets worse. This, this shower scene, what is even happening? Why the kiss? Your dog's a wolf. <laughs> and I don't... <laughs> okay, let's see. I mean, that that's, that's most of what happens, actually. You've covered most of it, because... See, he gets on the boat. And, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones is interrogating Christy Swanson about something. About her shoes. Yeah, about her, about her boots. And then Phantom, he thinks he's breaking into the right room, but it turns out he's breaking into a... Uh, a shower room that's full of ladies. Uh, so they they scream, and uh, he he apologizes. He he gives a good one liner. I forget what it was. But then he jumps out of a laundry chute because people were shooting at him. Uh, apparently, every like does every. Is it just every goon is, like, graduates from the Imperial Stormtrooper Marksmanship Academy? Like, I don't... Yes. Okay. Okay, that explains it then. Uh, so he jumps out of the laundry chute, lands in the correct room, somehow, mentions something about how you know the ship is full of the ship is full of ladies well this is the first time I really noticed the the, the pattern they get into where they have to show and then tell and then show <laughs> uh, everything to the audience because He's been seeking out to this plane. Every character we've seen has been women. He acts on a burst into the locker room. It's all women. He jumps down this tube. It's two more women. It's Chrissy Swanson, Catherine Jones. And he just, like, announces <laughs> to us, to the camera, just like, wow. Everyone on board this ship is a woman, <laughs> or something. Like, no, the exact house. What is this? A ship full of women? 
yes. Jose <laughs> 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 Jones kisses him for no discernible reason. Well, because she's like, I mean, can you honestly blame her? It is Billy Zane in purple spandex. It just, it's, it's situationally a weird thing to do, and you should always ask. Like, yeah. Listen, Catherine Zeta-Jones, the fact that you're Catherine Zeta-Jones doesn't mean you can just, it does, it actually does, <laughs> I wouldn't say shit. But, um, <laughs> it's like, I'm... <laughs> okay, fair point, never mind. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> I win that round. <laughs> like, as I was saying, I was just like, ah, this should be true, but it's not. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know it's 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 one hundred percent a double standard because I wouldn't be okay if Jimmy Wells just randomly kissed me. But it's like, Catherine J. Jones is like, yeah, I'm okay with that. I might be okay with Billy Zena. Billy Zena would be fine with myself. No, no, the the guy who played Jimmy Wells is like, hmm, maybe not. So... It's this awkward situation where we have the two most beautiful people in maybe the world, and he's just really tight clothes, and then Chrissy Swanson is also there. (laughs) And the poor girl, like, she's fine. It's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, she, what, she knocks out Zaya Jones, takes her boot note back, which is just a picture of a spider web, which is the pirate symbol. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of lose the thread here for a minute. Well, because... There, there's this weird sort of convolute. They try to escape, but they try to split up. And, like, Christy Swanson's trying to run away, but she almost gets caught, but Billy Zane pulls her out of harm's way. And then he... They, they, like, get onto the deck and are immediately captured. Well, because he backs into danger. (laughs) (laughs) He backs right into five goons because he's the worst. Yeah, no, it's... No, I I definitely said later on in my show notes that 
He is the least competent superhero I've seen in a while. <laughs> Except whenever he actually does any because you know, he can shoot guns with unerring accuracy. It's fairly amazing. <laughs> but all his plans are bad. Oh yeah. So it's sort of a like he's he's like he's like me in any video game where I have multiple lives and can afford to die the first time. It's like, well let's just go in here and see what happens. <laughs> and then usually I win because I got good reflexes, but it's not <laughs> Yeah. And maybe that's kind of what it's like being the Phantom, because he's the 21st, so he does have multiple lives, and he knows it. It's just <laughs> not quite how it works. <laughs> um, so they get captured for a second. Yeah. Like, and, then, and then the wolf comes up, uh, knocks one guy over, and then Billy Zan manages to knock the three other guys that he was that were holding him over. Does a cool, like, uh, throw on one of them, like a judo throw, uh, and then they run off. Yeah, then we have an airplane jeep chase followed by a horse jeep chase. Okay. Um so so this this is like the part of the movie that that that's the only this is the only part that kind of frustrates me about it. And it it shouldn't because I know I should let my, um, I should, what's the word? It's, um, suspension of disbelief. Yes. Suspension of disbelief. I know I should let that happen. And I don't know how fast planes and trucks drove in the 30s. Slower than horses. Yeah. Like, they're scientifically much slower than horses. I can verify this with math and physics. Oh, yeah? Okay. Go, yeah. go ahead. I, I'd like to hear this explanation. So, the plane more bigger than horses. Uh-huh little things fast uh-huh. plane is red so red with the air resistance mm-hmm. with uh, also fuel and I know about the fuel because they show us 
by the new close-up of the bullets knocking into the fuel, then the fuel falling out, and then they do another shot of the fuel falling out, and then they do a shot of the, the gas gauge on empty, and then Billy Zane looks straight at the camera and announces, we are running out of fuel and we have to land. <laughs> and then it shows the fuel dripping out the wings again. <laughs> and then Ghost Dad's voice comes in and like, do you get it? You fucking get it? <laughs> But, but, but how, but how, but how is the truck faster than the horse, though? Well, it's not faster than the horse if the horse was chasing right after the truck, but it is faster than the horse if the horse stops to have a conversation with the wolf and then takes a long way around. It's about route. Okay, so so the truck is just plowing through trees. The horse is just kind of going around them. Yeah. So, but, but then, but then, yeah. So, but then how is the how is the horse running at the same speed as the plane when they're flying above the horse? The horse, listen, the horse got a phantom belt on it also. Okay. Which means the horse is the phantom as well. Okay. And the phantom Better. Okay. At doing pretty much everything. So okay, now now here's my other question. So it's a long line of horses since the first horse's father was killed by pirates four hundred years ago. See, I was gonna ask about that, like how how does the sec how does it have more horses cause I assume it's like you know how some people when their dogs die they'll get another one give it the same name and you think like that's I get what they're doing they're trying to sort of not grieve for it but it also seems kind of crass that's everyone in this movie's entire existence. <laughs> that's the pirates, that's the phantom, that's the phantom's horse, the phantom's dog. That's how they do everything. Oh god, that is right. It's true, actually. <laughs> 
Like, it's okay, Kit didn't die. This is Kit now. <laughs> the kid is dead. See, he's got the same spots. It's fine. <laughs> the kid is Looks dead. Just long. like Billy said. The kid is dead. Long live the kid. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, okay. That that all checks out. So, um, so yeah, so the, the horse and the dog, sorry, the wolf are chasing after the plane, uh, they, they do the scene where they, they jump off the plane, or jump out of the plane, there's, no, yeah, so I, I know it is impossible, but the, just for the record, biplanes, those little, like, crop dusty planes, I've driven alongside just in the Central Valley a couple times, and I can drive faster than them, or as fast as them, which is definitely not true of, like, jets or passenger liners at higher altitude. So I don't know how unrealistic this actually is. I'm sure somewhat to vary, but those do go pretty slow, all things considered. Okay. Compared with other planes. Right. Because I, and you know, I, I do routinely break the speed limit whenever I'm on, like, <laughs> The five, but uh, the uh, it, the, it, the water five, right? Just any freeway. Uh, I break the speed limit in Florida, I break the speed limit in California, I break the speed limit in all coastal towns, and every go to the Midwest. If I had to go to the Midwest, there's no water there. <laughs> Fair. Because that's where the speed limit is actually like 85 fucking miles an hour. I can't even keep up because I don't drive new cars. <laughs> but uh, at, at freeway speeds plus 7 miles an hour because I want to make good time and not get pulled over, uh, I can outpace those little crop dusty uh, prop planes at least. Okay. When they're going in low for a crop dusting run. Okay. So I I know they can hit a pretty low speed without dropping out of the air. I think all my cars so far. Now, I drive some beaters, but I think my cars are so fast than a horse. Maybe? I, but I would hope so. But it's not... It, it, it's, it's a different scale to do that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And I like that this was a practical stunt 
which I can tell because the safety harness is very visible. <laughs> uh, but that also means they're actually out there fucking doing it, so I'm okay with it, you know? See, I, I at least thought it looked like the, uh, I mean, they, they probably did, but it did look like when they had the, the scenes shown from the side, when they showed the plane and them climbing down onto the pontoons and then the horse beneath it, it seemed like the backgrounds were kind of green screen, but maybe they weren't. I don't know. Well, you have close ones where it's the actual actors, where it's Christy Swanson and Billy Zane are on a green screen. But when it's clearly stuntmen, because movies are higher def now, whoops. There, it looks like they're actually out there doing. It might be a composite with the horse, but they're actually doing plain stunts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, definitely. Even if it doesn't exactly have the effect they're going for because the cuts make it stranger. <laughs> um, and that's, listen, that's one thing I'll honor say for this movie that's pretty great is the like, yeah, it's like the plane stunts and the weird rope swinging and the, like, jumping from cab to cab and motorcycle chase and stuff. Like, it's... Whether or not it's dramatically appropriate or fits with the storyline at all, it's good stunt work. Yeah. Which is what in turn makes me pretty certain that the fight choreography is on purpose because it'd be weird to be so good at that and so bad at something else. Yeah, that makes sense. So I give it props for that because I've seen a lot of movies where just impossible CGI stuff happens all the time. It's really fast-paced, but still looks like a cartoon. And this at least looks like someone could die at lower, but still physically possible speeds, because I can get killed at 40 miles an hour. I know that's <laughs> possible. <laughs> Actually, yeah, now that you mention it, I, one of the quips that I'm, or one of the qualms I have about a lot of action movies, especially the ones with, like, that are heavy on fight scenes, is that it's, for me, it's really hard to actually tell what the fuck is going on when there's a chaotic fight scene because there's so many fast cuts and, and shaky camera 
So this one, it was actually a lot easier to tell what was happening because admittedly, even though the action was a bit more, it was a bit slower and deliberate, I could tell what was going on. So I kind of, and now I realize that I probably should have enjoyed those more than I did just because I could tell what was happening during the actual fight yeah. scenes. I mean, they're definitely playing to the back row, mm-hmm. but I appreciate that because it's a movie. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need to actually get a headache in a fight just because that's what happens in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm pointing out a lot of things wrong with this movie. My enthusiasm for it is actually pretty ironic. (laughs) I know it's super divisive and a lot of people hate it, but these are so far all good things, I think. So, so uh, the, the prop plant stunts. Yeah, sorry. Oh no, that's that's, uh, that's where I was gonna go. They 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 climb onto the the like that wasn't. Yeah, I guess those are pontoons also, huh? Because every plane is a seaplane in this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're like, why would you have a plane that couldn't land in water? And I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> Every airport, what are you doing? <laughs> Runways everywhere, if you do it right, I guess their top speed is like 100 miles an hour or something. That's why. But. <laughs> So, if you go up to the uh, Seattle area, they have a bunch of those still. It's pretty fun. Like, back and forth from Alaska and across the Sailor Sea and stuff. I haven't ridden on one yet, but in Friday Harbor, I saw one that was painted to look almost exactly like an orca whale. (laughs) And it was the exact size of an orca whale. You would never mistake the two, but it was a neat idea. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Because it also did whale watching tours. Like, it would uh, fly uh, tourists around and you could watch them from above and stuff. Uh, which seems like a pretty good life, honestly. Yeah. I'm not going to be rich, but I live in the woods and I fly around this ocean that I know really well and I watch whales. And someday I will die. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's nice. Hmm. I tangent way too much today. That's a very... I didn't sleep super well, so I overcompensated with much of caffeine. <laughs> Which apparently is like cocaine for me. 
<laughs> Which is ironic because he does nothing for me. But now this is where I'm at. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> So they, um. Airplanes being chased by the, the jeep and the horse. Mm-hmm. Then they get on the horse and they're being chased by the jeep. Yeah. And, um. The, I. Didn't they say that the plane was almost out of fuel? Because when it ran into the mountain, it definitely exploded like it had a lot of gasoline still left in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, everything explodes in this fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> but also, that one looked like it wasn't a composite. Because there's a lot of bad composites in the movie where the explosion is clearly put on with, like, After Effects or something. Yeah, that... that... I, I think they might have actually flown a plane full of bombs into a cliff or that something. That definitely looked pretty good. pretty legit. But it was still definitely a lot of fire. Yeah. No, and if it was a composite, fair enough. It was just a really well done one. But I think these crazy bastards actually just blew up a plane in the jungle. (laughs) 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 Which we'll talk about later. I, I love the outdoor stuff in the first half of this movie a lot more than where it goes, but I'm impressed by these unironically. Yeah. Uh, they run through the woods until the Phantom's friends take care of the chase for them. Because they have this sort of like... Ewok village setup thing. Yeah. And then they can fish for people on horseback with nooses, and they do. <laughs> uh, and they just take them out. Yeah. So I, I'm even less clear on what the Phantom's relationship with people actually live here is because they protect him but he's their only cop uh, I don't get it <laughs> he proceeds to the least hidden cave ever conceived (laughs) it is facing a broad meadow a broad clearing in an island that seems to be mostly jungle it is painted bright white because it looks kind of like a skull and it is 70 feet tall (laughs) 
<laughs> That's his hideout where anyone from any kind of airplane or or cliff anywhere would see it. And it is full of jewels because he gives her pearls for no reason. <laughs> From his goddamn treasure room, which they don't talk about, don't address, and don't return to shit. <laughs> Yeah, I see no problems with any of this. And I really like the couple of scenes, or a couple of cuts leading up to it, where they're just showing how pretty wherever they were filming is. Oh yeah. And I thought the music was actually really good at this point, too. It's a solid... It's the whole thing, really. It's a really good soundtrack, actually. Yeah, it was... It's not, like, iconic. You could pretty much slip it into anything. But it's also really appropriate for every time it's used. Yeah. Like, it's... It's only a few musical cues that kind of repeat it. You can't go for too long, I've noticed, because sort of just loop it in, like, seven seconds or so. But as a cue, it works really well. Yeah. Ghost Dad's here because it's a James Dreamer movie. Mm-hmm. Cannot tell what the British captain is saying, but he sends Christy Swanson home. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie takes a dramatic turn because everyone's going to New York. Yeah. And now the British officer guy has told uh, Billy Zane a thing he needs to know he's never seen again. <laughs> This is the first time this happened. Shit, you're right. Not the last. <laughs> oh god, that actually did happen. Actually, no one from that camp was ever seen again. He's just—he's just a quest giver. It's like here's the next place you gotta go. I can die now. <laughs> and then he just. Uh, He's a World of Warcraft NPC. Or just any this RPG NPC. This has already happened once with uh, Christy Swanson's uncle, who's like, this is where I need to go, and now I will die. <laughs> and he disappears and never see him again. <laughs> Uh, oh no, I never mind. He doesn't show up later on. You're right. No shit. Not forever. Oh god. I don't even remember is the is the kid his 
is we're not calling him a slave. <laughs> Did he ever show up again after he just said on the radio, that, like, this thing is happening, you should check it out, and it vanishes, or is he still around? Um, he, yeah, he, he definitely showed up, because when the, when the British captain showed up, uh, he... The, the cap, he tried to light a cigarette or a pipe or something, and the slave showed up and said, no smoking in the soul cave. And I think that was the last time we saw him, actually. Right, right. Okay. Good call. So he's at least not one of them. There are many others yes. who are. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so we're back in New York. Yeah, which is too bad, I think, because this is, it's pretty placement gone. I liked the jungle stuff. Yeah, Um, it was nice. New York, Drax with the skull in his office. Can't really tell what his plan is. It's just, I'm gonna get them skulls. (laughs) Which I'm okay with. Um, Because he's giving his... I don't know. I was just gonna say, he explains in that, this boardroom about his plan, but at this point, it's like, what the fuck's happening? So... He, he's giving his dramatic chaos as a ladder speech from Game of Thrones. <laughs> his investors don't like the skulls idea. <laughs> well, no, no. One of his investors doesn't like the skull idea. Yeah, Ray. Yeah. Ray doesn't like the skull idea. And I know his name because... I, I love so he just keeps saying like well you only have one of the skulls find all three skulls you only have one of the skulls like Ray Raymond Ray Ray I knew all the skulls <laughs> like the smarm is working perfectly I just like his like Hold on, hey, hold on. (laughs) Secondary question. He knows where one of the skulls is, which is in the museum down the street. I don't know why that's the second one he goes after. Because it seems like that would have been the start of his ridiculous quest. This was also the first, uh, the first instance of Al the cabbie, who, uh, he, yes. he, he brings, he brings Kit, what the fuck's his last name, Harper? I can't remember now. Walker. What? 
Walker. Right, right, right. Walker. I don't know why I said Harper. Uh, so he he brings he brings Kit Walker to the the whatever building they were at. Um, yeah, he's played by John Capodici, who I know from Ace Ventura, Independence Day, and Speed. He's the best. He always puts the same guy, and I always love him. He's pretty fantastic because he, he chastised, he asks for money, of course, because it's a cab ride, and Billy Zane pays him in uh, Bengala money, which, why they would need that, I don't know, but he, you know, he eventually ends up giving Al, uh, a handful of opals and some sort of, like, star sapphires, like, actual gems that are probably worth several thousand dollars in 1930s money. It's just easier to pay with than credit in 1930. Yeah. So, <laughs> just here, have a handful of jewels from my jewel room. <laughs> he doesn't need them. He has more at home. Uh, no, I mean... Frankly, if anyone tried to pay me with a handful of precious stones, I, I'm not a jeweler. I would just take them like, well, these are either jewels or like pretty quartz. Alright, get in the car. <laughs> like, Can I just say, you're a precious stone? Oh. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, so everyone in the boardroom is totally on board with Drax's plan except for Ray because, um, Ray is not insane. Um, yeah, I hope it just was like, I don't know, man, I was an ultra boy, like, black magic is a bit much. <laughs> and, but Ray's brother? Charlie? I think they're related, right? Other mob guy? Yeah. They both got like the pinstripe suits and the the gangster accents, so they might just be the, from the same career. Maybe I don't know. Fair. I I thought I thought it said that they had the same last name on there. Hold on, now I gotta look at their cast list. <laughs> Hold on, 
have to have to confirm whether or not I'm right or wrong. I'm probably wrong. I'd do it. Uh, do it. Do it. No, the uh, they, they they're both out of Zef Zefro. Their last name. They're both Charlie and Ray Zefro. Okay. Anyway, um, Ray decides to leave. Kills him with a fucking spear. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Drax just picks a spear off the wall and just fucking impales Ray <laughs> to the wall. Yeah, and then, well. What I love is when he finally pulls the spear out later, he's like looking at the molding in the wall. Yeah. Oh shit. It's like, God, <laughs> God damn it, I gotta get this fixed. I stabbed the next. <laughs> but I should have used a microscope, the exacto So, so he, he murders Ray, and everyone else is like, eh, okay, we're gonna go along with this. And Ray was the mafia, and now it is the other man who was the mafia. Now, now it is Charlie who runs the mafia. <laughs> and Charlie, he, he looks more like a mob boss. I think he was in a bunch of other mob movies, actually. I know he was in UHF as one of the toughs. Yeah. D David Steele's Stanley Spadowski. Let me look. Hold on. Oh, I think he was, anyway. I think you're right. I did look at his... his cast list very briefly. I think um, he's wanting it stapled in the face. Jesus Christ. I, I don't remember him, but probably. Uh, it's a funny movie. Guy gets stapled in the face. You should watch it. <laughs> I need to watch that again. I have that on... I have it on VHS. It's... I totally need I to liked it a lot when I was a kid, and I liked it a lot as an adult when I'm drunk or stoned. <laughs> but I don't know... It's a bit much if I'm just watching it. <laughs> Anyway, so he's the head of the mob now. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he says, you are the mafia now. <laughs> uh, and they decide that they're going to go down to the museum and get the other skull. And one of the guys is like, Hey, should we set up a cinematically interesting heist and 
then he's like, no, fuck you, <laughs> to the camera. <laughs> so we're going now. <laughs> we're just gonna walk down there in broad daylight and take it. <laughs> That's gonna be the end of that. <laughs> so... So, okay, so now we're, okay, we must, they must have been back at the, uh, at the newspaper, cause... Oh yeah! So, so we gotta show up, if only to allow Jimmy Wells to explain to Kid Walker where the second skull is. <laughs> So the uncle's just like, these, these two just had seen each other three minutes ago. The uncle's just like, hey, niece, have you met Kit Walker, the sexiest man in New York who is the Phantom? <laughs> <laughs> and this is when he's doing the exact same voice and putting his hands on his face <laughs> superhero poses and stuff. <laughs> and Christy Swanson even like gives an eyebrow. So like, okay. <laughs> but it's, uh, you kind of wonder, it's like, did she probably knew from the beginning, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, this is when we first get the hint that like they have a history because they were, they knew each other from college, and then he just left, and they don't say, like, but also, we were, we were together, we were fucking all the time, but, uh, it's implied, and the, the Jimmy boyfriend gets visibly a little upset <laughs> by this, right? Oh, how do you know him? From college, it's like, oh, well, college, oh, yeah. Right, he that. sort of shrinks <laughs> away to the corner and lights a pipe. He's like, <laughs> nobody goes to college together and doesn't fall in love. <laughs> 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 Especially back in my thirties. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have no idea how colleges worked before like ninety two. Honestly, and I, I wrote this down the first time. Just oh, they're exes because that didn't come up at any point earlier. Jimmy remembers the skull, and I love the way he tells the story. Because, yeah. like, I've seen one of those before, but it was green. He walks, like, where? And concert where? It's like, mm, it was my birthday. There was a big room for me. Cake. It's just like. <laughs> But I just love how small his world is and how, like, 
unapologetically hedonistic as Jimmy does it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I still love Jimmy. Even if he's a bad guy, he's a horrible abuser. I still love Jimmy. He just is most frivolous, irritating non-man who also doesn't try to hide it at all and doesn't care. Um, so he remembers that it's right down the street in the museum. They go there. They see it in uh, the, the recent state hidden is because the historians got it wrong and think it's from the wrong continent in the wrong century. Yeah. And then, you know, Chrissy uh, Swanson's like, hey, do you think there's going to be a sweet high scene? Billy <laughs> says, no, fuck you. And just smashes the case. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Christy Swanson even says, well, you know, my my dad knows somebody at the museum. I could probably get them to pull it overnight so I could get this to you. As she's explaining, <laughs> Kid Walker just picks up a fucking... He picks up one of those velvet rope containers, you know, one of the a stand and just breaks all the fucking glass. Just picks it up. The phantom and violently averts any chance to do anything stealthy. I kind of <laughs> And then he turns around and there is Drax with all of his men. Yeah, and, and, and Drax like actually pulls out a semi-believable lie to cover for the fact that kid just fucking broke into the museum. He says that there's security and there's free sandwiches in the other building. Yep. <laughs> like free sandwiches and cake. In the room down the hall, everyone go away. Stop believable, Sam. Okay, the fact that he says he's museum security makes more sense than than just walking up and breaking the glass. But just. There's no reason all this has to happen in the same minute. There's no reason it's all in broad daylight. It's yeah, yeah. super contrived. Yeah. I kind of love it. Yeah. But it's also it's also legitimately kind of frustrating because stealing something from a museum would be a great pulp. Oh yeah. Scene. 
He puts two of the skulls together. We see like 15 different shots of the same three glass panes breaking. <laughs> and this was like, which, this was like eight seconds after all the people left. So how would they not have noticed this happening? But also, it doesn't like violently blow out or anything. It just sort of like falls out of the Yeah, frame. that was. That was. Yeah. And. And Drax is shouting over all this noise and crazy flashlights of. Yes! Yes! This is happening! I love this! <laughs> <laughs> Which is incredible. <laughs> and I get Drax's motivations better than anyone else in the movies where he's just bored. <laughs> he likes when crazy shit happens. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. And then the, so the skulls show, the, the two that he has show the location of the third one by burning a hole into a map. Yeah, and it's in not the Ramita Triangle, the, uh, the, the Devil's Vortex. Yeah. Glad you're not the only one who mentioned that exact thing, because I wrote that down too. <laughs> well, they do that in a lot of, uh... What else? Like, Ghostbusters or something did the same thing, where... They can't save Bermuda Triangle for some reason, let's say... Something, I don't remember what was Ghostbusters, but they'll make up another word that sounds like a dangerous part of the ocean. Yeah. Because there's some agreement with, like, the country of Bermuda stop saying that or something? It must have been something like that. Out of the cabbie rises to the occasion. Because <laughs> they all get escorted out of the building. No one tries to escape, but Alvin came and said, Oh shit! Yeah, it falls. <laughs> That's actually just nice. It's actually what I reckon. Good old Al coming to the rescue. Yeah, I, I forgot the part where off screen he got all the jewels of praise. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, while you were in the office for 35 seconds, I went to a jewel or had these jewels of praise brought them back, and now I'm your guy. Today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they go back to Drax's office. This is when Catherine Zaya Jones implies she wants to fuck Kit Walker's corpse. Yes. <laughs> 
You think we're kidding, audience? We're not. <laughs> you know, the, the line is they're gonna take on Fiala's duration deck to make him talk, and she's like, let me have him when you're finished with him, which might mean when he's all beat up, but I think they were gonna kill him. Yeah, I don't know. Her, her exact words, I wrote this down, were, I claim the body when you're done. Yeah, so it's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she's got issues. Um, yeah. Uh, they go up to the observation deck where he kicks them and goes into a room and transforms and, like, 14 seconds into his phantom pajamas. And then kills two men with Billy Zane's mighty thighs. <laughs> and I believe it. <laughs> Arguably the best way to die, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be good. For some reason, James Remar can't hit him still. For some reason, he put the costume on in the first place, even though he's about to kill these guys anyway. It's all strange. I like it. There's this elevator chase. And I I don't know why they're taking Christy Swanson with, except that Catherine Zeta-Jones said that she was the Phantom's girlfriend. So they've got her just so he'll follow them. Yeah, I guess so. That's what it seemed it like. It is strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, the that elevator scene, it, all I could think of when he was sliding down the elevator cables and causing all those sparks was... He's probably gonna kill a bunch of people who get on that elevator and then it crashes and they'll die. <laughs> like he's Well I mean I don't think he's like wearing away the cables or anything, right? They're like I mean he he might have been. I don't know. It definitely seemed like that was an inordinate amount of sparks be coming off of whatever the fuck he was holding in order to grind down those elevator cables. Nah, that's true. I actually don't know, like, the physics of what makes metal spark when you strike it on metal. Well, I'm like, I assume there must be some sort of debris in the sparks, but I don't know if that's even true. Like, I don't know what 
makes all that happen. There's, there's definitely a scene later on where a sword strikes a skull on their sparks. And that's not, right. that's not how things work, but... No, but as we in real life... Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You can strike metal on metal and make a spark. Does that mean on some microscopic level you've broken some fragments of the metal free and that's what's in the sparks? Or is it just... I don't... I'm gonna look it up at some point, but I, I think you can grind down something like that and make that many sparks without actually damaging the metal significantly, but I don't know if you can do it without damaging it at all. I should look that up. I don't know. I, I, Mayor Mythbusters, Miss, oh my god. Mythbusters may or may not have actually covered that, but I could be wrong. If well, so I used to again the in the camping that I don't do because I'm a manatee. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like the same little stick of flint and the same little striker of steel for like 12 years that I'd used to start on campfires mm-hmm. and it was still good at the end of that it had lines on it from just wearing away where I had done it a bunch of times but I don't know if that was because the sparks just because it had been rubbed consistently in one spot forever I guess the one good thing to take of it is... Well, I don't know, actually. There isn't a good thing to take of it. Um, <laughs> Billy Zane does almost get crushed by an elevator. Um, that was, yeah, that was kind of a cool uh, scene. It's actually kind of exciting. Yeah. And again, it seems like practical stunts. I'm sure the elevator isn't real and actually like head severing weight uh, probably oh yeah definitely Uh, and then he runs through the building uh, in his purple spandex which knocks his purse out of her hand. Totally normal. Stops to pick it up and hand it back. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, he gets into the cab, which Al is there. Um, Al immediately assumes that he is, uh, He's a, he's a, a robber. Which is fair. Yeah, I mean, I would probably think the same thing if a guy in skin-tight purple spandex uh, hopped into my cab and... Well, it's, it's more than it's a guy in a hood and a mask, I think. 
Okay, okay yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, because you gotta admit, like, if you robbed someone dressed the Phantom, then someone's giving you some description. They wouldn't say, like, well, he was this tall, this is his hair coat. be like, he's dressed like the fucking Phantom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And then that'd be very hard to find you unless you were also dressed like the Phantom <laughs> Day. Uh, yeah. But I guess, I guess the Phantom decided that driving in a cab was too slow to follow Drax and uh, all of them. So he gets out of the cab, hops across several other cars, which was pretty damn cool. <laughs> it's a good scene. Yeah. And then he jumps onto a police horse and rides off. After the car. And they chase them on motorcycles, they can also jump fences. How the fuck are those motorcycles staying together? Like, I mean, these, these cops are hyper-competent, which is unusual for superhero movies. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I wouldn't, I mean, again... I don't, I don't know automotive history, but I would have thought that a motorcycle from the 30s, if you jump it and, you know, fall a good four to six feet, it would probably just shatter, but I don't know. <laughs> I think, honestly, motorcycles used to be tougher than they are now. Really? Because they didn't have the same top speeds, and they weren't all, like, fiberglass, uh, wind-resistance machines. Maybe. But, uh... Because, like, I mean, dirt bikes can do all sorts of crazy stuff, and there used to not be as specialized bikes, like... Everything kind of used to be a cruiser slash dirt bike slash cross rocket, whatever you call the the racer bikes. Okay, that's fair. I've I've seen a lot of movies take place in World War Two where those motorcycles get put through the ringer and go over trenches and stuff and aren't special effects. Hmm. So I assume... I don't know. I, it, it's like Jeeps, where it just used to be sort of more rugged and less good overall. Okay. That's that's fair. I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I've, I've ridden a Bicycle, whatever you motorcycle. <laughs> I think I, I rode your mom's motorcycle for like 
12 feet one time. That's the sum total that was a trike. That was a sweet trike. Yeah. I appreciate the short really was. <laughs> but it was like from the top of the driveway to the bottom of the driveway. <laughs> that was the extent of my motorcycle experience. <laughs> um, and it was dope! <laughs> the phantom hides in the zoo. Yeah. Next to a tiger, and since he can talk with animals, kind of? Uh, yeah, I I guess that maybe that's his... That must be his superpower, right? He can, he can talk to animals, because he definitely talks to his wolf several times. He talks to his horse a couple times, and they seem to understand him. And I'm not just saying that because of the companionship, like, they actually, he actually talks to animals and they listen. Yeah, but I, I also can't tell if that's just, if that's the Phantom's power or if that's Billy Zane's charisma. It's probably... Yeah. I feel like of all the people I've heard of, I was to throw everyone in a tiger pit, which one the tiger would refuse to attack. Billy Zane's like top of that list. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's Billy Zane and like Mr. Rogers. I bet Mr. Rogers would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's actually kind of cool seeing he's... They think he can't be in there because the tiger, like, snarls out and swipes out when they walk by. Um, and then he sort of comes out of the shadows and he's been behind the tiger the whole time. The tiger just doesn't care because they're their kin and it's kind of neat for a second yeah except then uh because he's the least stealthy guy ever he runs out of the <laughs> cage and starts flipping up over things before they've passed yeah. So the chase can resume. Like it's been four seconds since they decided to leave. He could have waited another yeah. ten. It would have been out and of my sight. They do literally like he he does the thing and they turn back on and are like, oh hey, there yeah. he is. <laughs> He's like thirty they feet were away. Walking. They were walking away, Zane. <laughs> but the cabbie saves him because the 
cavities. Just, just saw. Yeah. <laughs> and has been convinced by his super convincing speech, like, oh, I'm afraid of kid walkers. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> which also, like, okay, so cabbies, I don't, I forget if I already mentioned this. When you're in a cab with someone, they're not usually looking at you, they're driving. They just hear your voice. Yeah. So it's even less likely he wouldn't know it's the same damn guy. <laughs> because he doesn't really know the Phantom or Billy Zane's face. He just knows their voice, which is identical. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he drives into the plane, he jumps on the side of the plane, and then he does one of the throwaways. It's like, only in New York, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Which they always have to do. <laughs> and then he just rides on the side of the plane all night. Yeah, for like, what, eight, ten hours, probably? It's it's still less ridiculous than Raiders of the Lost Ark when he rides on a submarine for like four days. <laughs> but, uh, it's silly. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, the bad guys bring the mob boss. Not the mob. Not any toughs. No. They're just like, yeah, so you're the elder leader of the mob, right? Come with us to this island <laughs> where we can all get murdered together. <laughs> have this, he's the head of the mob, and then Drax is like captain of industry, and then Captain Zay Jones is the head of all these like female sky pirates, and all of their potency is in that they run these organizations that are larger than them, and none of them bring anything with them. They just go on a plane. Well, I mean, they have the two skulls. That should be enough, right? I mean, they do, they do have the two skulls, that's true. And, I mean, I mean, um... Catherine Zeta-Jones did bring her feminine wiles. Um, and, uh, and, and, and Drax did bring his, his smarm. Lobster guy brought an ankle gun. That's true. 
that that should be more than enough, right? I mean, they're not expecting anyone to be there. I mean, I would I would think thought. Uh, uh, it did. It definitely didn't seem like they were expecting uh, company when they got to the island. So they, they find this island, which is just a rock outcropping with the top poorly CGI'd off and smoke coming out of it. Yo, guys, volcanoes have a distinctive shape, and it is not this. <laughs> this is not what volcanoes look like. It's not a large rock with a hole in the top. <laughs> it's fine, whatever. It's not fine. But it's <laughs> So they the land in this really pretty lagoon. Billy Zane jumps off so he can swim after them. Yep. It's another sweet jungle place and it, it looks really nice. I think it'd be really good giant sort of outdoor set piece here. And then instead they go to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> and do the whole scene is like 30 foot soundstage <laughs> which I think was a huge misstep because I like the outdoor jungle stuff and it's really pretty and you can actually move people around and then they go to it seriously is like 30 feet across this little kind of obviously foam rubber cave set. <laughs> it is a pirate ship inside a cave though, and I am a sucker for that ever since the Goonies. Yeah. But it's, it's not enough. Billy Zane swims to them through shark infested waters. Don't know a shark infested yet, but you're about to. Oh, suddenly. So this is when uh, they they pull into this place. There's lit torches everywhere. They still, for some reason, don't <laughs> think anyone's there. <laughs> Even though torches burn for like six hours and then burn out. So it's... <laughs> there's a bunch of skeletons and clearly pirates. Uh, the bad guys meet the pirates, Billy Zane's still being stealthy for the first time ever. <laughs> Doing these weird like ballerina poses up the stairs, which is <laughs> actually pretty fun. Yeah. 
and then Karihiro uh, Hitagawa is the leader, like fucking Shang Tsung. Same look, same sleeves, shirt. Is the leader of the pirates. Looks direct at the camera and says, "Don't you wish I was the villain the whole time?" <laughs> And it wasn't exactly what he said, but that's what his words meant every time he opened his mouth (laughs) to me. (laughs) And just unceremoniously takes over the movie from everyone else. Uh, and does not give it back. <laughs> and, <laughs> until he was uh, and until like four minutes later. <laughs> yeah, he's he's around for precious little time. Suddenly, Catherine Zeta-Jones has Christy Swanson's back uh, because of a two-line back and forth in the cab on the way over. She's like, hey, why are you so mean? And Catherine Zeta-Jones is like, oh, I don't know. I am not so mean. That's like, oh. <laughs> That was the turnaround. And then there's some weird implied rape on the part of all these pirates. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, girls gotta stick together. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense out of someone else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, what... What has never, ever happened in your life that has led you to this point where you're with these guys until someone says a one sentence, why are you mean to you? (laughs) And it kind of, it begins to make a little sense because it becomes fairly clear, like, Drax and the mob guy now doesn't care if she's okay. And maybe she thought there was loyalty there, but I don't know why she would because they're sky pirates together. I don't know. It's. Yeah. I I don't. I I don't get the the turnaround. Well, I mean, it kind of. It seems like, because once, um, because I think we forgot to mention, oh yeah, because Quill's there also, we forgot to mention, uh, Dexter's dad is still there. Evil Indiana Uh, Jones. Yes. Uh, and he's like the only... (laughs) He's... Hmm? Actually, he's been there the whole time. Yeah. No, I've totally forgotten until I mentioned, until I wanted to mention the fact that the only reason that any of them were still alive was the fact that 
he was also a part of this sort of brotherhood that all the pirates were part of. That Chang Sung, um, his, his, they're his pirates. Oh yeah, which would be a big reveal, except I thought they all were. So, yeah, I, I think it's just him. I think it's just uh, Dexter's dad. Oh no, it, it definitely is. Just retroactively, I have no idea what they had to do with the plot until then. If Drax and the mob weren't also part of this giant criminal syndicate. Right, yeah. It's sort of just like... Oh, right. We weren't already there? Okay. Yeah, because... Because uh, I think... I think Drax implies that... He wants to work together... With... With... Uh, with the Brotherhood... To sort of take over the world... With all the skulls, obviously... Because he meant he calls them because yeah. he calls them grizzled scalawags and peg leg peats uh, during his his <laughs> during his which which is pretty fair because yeah. like because Carrie Yuki Takawa looks. Brad, because he always does. Like, the other pirates, one's got, like, the striped white and red shirt-ass, like, pirate look. One's got a red velvet overcoat and, like, that black tri-corner hat. Like, it's... It's Halloween shit. <laughs> These guys are doing it. And then, of course, um, one of my favorite lines from Karihiriki Tagawa is uh, after, after Drax offers to work together with him to get all the skulls he says I could kill you and feed your pretty pink ass to the sharks yeah it's like Jesus Christ he's terrifying and amazing and then then the fucking mob boss like they've got guns trained on yeah these aren't these aren't like weird primitive pirates that only have swords and gaff hooks. <laughs> like it's yeah. a, this mob guy. Well, first Xander Grax does the pretty obvious can like everyone knows where we are. You'll have an army down your throats if you do that. And then Mom gets like, he's lying. No one knows where we are. You can sh- you can murder me safely. <laughs> and boy, howdy, do they ever! <laughs> and then he pulls out 
his ankle gun and threatens the captain of the ship with it while he's surrounded by all his pirates with guns trained on him. And even so, the captain is just like, okay, well, fuck this guy. Uh, slowly rotate the cannon downwards towards him, light the fuse, and then shoot him with the cannon and hope he doesn't move. <laughs> and the mob guy stands there intimidated by the fact this pirate ship has a cannon and then gets blown across the room 14 seconds later. <laughs> it is amazing and so dumb and there's there's no excuse for <laughs> but I love it. Uh, right. So, I'm pretty... So, did it seem like Catherine Zeta-Jones sort of saw uh, Billy Zane being all Prince of Persia in the cave... Like, she definitely looked oh, up and up saw on him. Up on the mast. Before, before he made himself noticeable. Maybe. And that might be when she decides that she's on his side forever because it's just a good angle for him. I don't know. Maybe. And, uh... It's weird stuff at this point. But, uh, uh, Pirate King reveals there's a fourth skull. Idiots. <laughs> and the, they're, they're pretty pink asses or whatever you call them. Um, it's very dangerous, Bobby. It's pretty. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, you need the fourth one to control the three, which it turns out you don't. Also, uh, can I can I actually mention that in my show notes, my exact words were, and then the Deus Ex Machina fourth skull explanation. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> we're kind of on the same wavelength. <laughs> Tiny bit. Anyway. Um, yeah. So. Then. Yeah. What he's. The Phantom swings down with his double foot kicking rope. <laughs> Kicks the Pirate King with his double feet, knocks over like three of them, hands the rope to Chrissy Swanson, and then she also swings on it and 
double foot kicks to the parts because it's the swinging down double foot kick and rope. And no one else does anything. And then everybody buckles swash for four minutes. <laughs> Jones fights that one Captain Hook ass looking pirate. <laughs> um, Carrie, uh, uh, who Yuki Tagawa fights Billy Zane with swords at first. He does the cross shoot everyone thing, but he's only shooting guns still, so it's in effect. Yeah. And then Pirate King reveals that the waters that Billy Zane just swam through are so full of sharks you'll die as soon as you touch them. And then exaggeratedly falls into it and gets eaten up. Or does he? Because he could come back for the sequel they never made. Because you don't actually see him not maybe just lose a leg or something. Right? I, I guess so, yeah. He falls in there, then it's all red. Yeah. Pam's like, ugh. It doesn't give a warm line, just sort of runs away. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Right. All the pirates die. Only the mob guy dies of the three modernish bad guys. They run off somewhere, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then we get to the point where where Drax combines the three skulls. Well, first, right. oh, they have a sub. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's Right. So it turns out these pirates have have submarine torpedo things. And Fam just sort of like unceremoniously shoves the women into <laughs> it. Yeah. Because he's gonna fire them to safety. <laughs> Even though there's a robo right the hell there they all used to get there. Um, right. Uh, and then they do the fight with like uh, uh, Xander Drax uh, Treat Williams is 
CGI cartoon skulls fly together, it turns out the ultimate power he was after is just a laser gun. <laughs> yeah. Because when they come together, it shoots a laser that cuts through things. But James Remar, Billy Zane are fighting. Billy Zane says, You have something of mine. And pulls off James Remar's pants. Because... <laughs> He's been wearing his father's belt this whole time. <laughs> uh, it's just a good moment, yeah. Uh, it turns out that the three, yeah, my nose just, oh, it is a facer. <laughs> because it is. Yeah. Vaporizes James Dreamer accidentally. The the three skulls get their very unwieldy laser gun. Can I just say? And I guess can that. I say I also yeah. wrote exactly the word vaporized for that. Yeah. <laughs> It does. It's yeah. that weird special effect we just sort of mists out and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's. Uh, and, and I guess that's it. Like, the, the, the artifact is just a green laser that shoots out of the eyes of this thing and then. They said they needed the fourth skull control, but it clearly doesn't, because it's controlling it just fine by just aiming it. Yeah. I I guess maybe they were misunderstood, because what the fourth skull does, which is, spoiler alert, uh, it's, it's Billy Zane's ring. Um... Which is not foreshadowed at all. No, of course not. <laughs> it, all it seems to do is just sort of... You can sort of stop the other three skulls from shooting the laser. Like, it's just sort of a counter laser. Like that's all it seems to do. Yeah. It's also, I'm very unclear on how Drax is going to use any of this to become a despot. Because <laughs> it's just... It's a single laser beam that he has to be there in person to fire. He can't... Can't do much with that. I think the problem here is that that librarian did not do a good job. That librarian earlier was full of shit. That was the problem. So it wasn't actually unlimited power, it's unlimited battery life. Yeah. 
for this one thing exactly that you can't. I don't know, maybe like if you rig up a hydroelectric dam or something, then hold the laser on the water, you have unlimited steam power or some shit. Maybe. You could, you could figure out a way to use it, but it's not. It is not a take over the world machine. No. But, uh. I, I'm not entirely sure what happened. You can probably clear this up because it seems like. Drax just kind of blows up. Well, so the Phantom's Ring, it's it's the Schwartz duel from yeah, uh, Spaceballs. From Spaceballs, like unironically, <laughs> the exact same thing because his ring shoots out a different color beam at the beam coming out of the skulls. And they just sort of push yeah. against each other. Drax winds up doing this full-on, like, Michael Jackson super far lean, which is kind of funny. But they're just aiming these beams at each other and pushing off, and, like in Big Trouble in Little China, but not as interesting. <laughs> And then the Phantom's Ray pushes Drax's Ray all the way back to Drax and he blows up in fire. Okay. While also saying like, ha ha ha, amazing or something. Uh, because I love Drax. <laughs> And then everything blows up, because that detonates the entire set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Billy Zane makes another pretty close escape, diving into the water just before the fire catches him on fire. But, yeah, he and yeah, so they escape with him and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Christy Swanson in the he submarine. He totally couldn't he could have swum through all that but instead he just hangs off the edge. Yeah. Uh, my notes at this point just read his ring shoot it the laser at it to the other lasers, parentheses, kaboom. This is what happens when I try to write notes when I'm not looking at the page. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I type my notes.
it says that detonate set volcano erupt wow <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, the volcano does definitely erupt. Yeah, it's it's one of the worst CGI effects in the. Yeah, it's just a composite of like gifs of explosions over <laughs> that island. Um, and I guess all the pirates are dead because somehow killing Drax also means that all of the the plaster in the set blew up. Yeah, it seems like it. it it's unfortunate because I love I love Carrier Yukitagawa. Yeah. Uh. But he's in the worst part of the movie. <laughs> like, that whole thing is actually pretty boring to me. <laughs> yeah. And now they're back at the cave because they were stranded in the middle of the ocean in an area where no planes or boats go because it's the Bermuda Triangle. So they found their way back home. Of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, Phantom explains his entire lineage again. This is the third time that his backstory has been explained. Which... At this point, I'm starting to wonder. So he's so the the whole phantom idea started up about 400 years ago, and Billy Zane is the 21st phantom. So math would tell me that the average lifespan of a phantom is 20 years. Well, the average career phantom, they don't oh, start yeah, with their born and not lifespan. True. True. <laughs> That's fairly healthy. But, like, you don't want a phantom much past your 40, I don't think. That's fair. Um, but, it, I mean, every, was it, it seemed to be implied that every phantom's father was killed, probably by the same brotherhood. <laughs> so, right, it seems like kind of a, kind of a terrible life to lead. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Well, I mean, I think you... Uh, you do it until you can't anymore. It's just instead of retiring when you can't anymore, you probably get killed by someone. 
Although, at this point, since the, the Sang Brotherhood was all killed in the volcano, what's the point of the Phantom anymore? All right, one thing that I forgot to mention, it turns out that the Carrie Hirokitagawa character is named something Sang. I forget his last name. Something Sang. Yeah. But uh, that is also a passed down title. So every kid of every pirate yeah. is named someone so Sang. Yeah, I, I know. He, he uh, did mention that very briefly. Like, he's, he's the descendant of the original guy who killed the original father of the original phantom. And has the same name. Yeah. So it's, he's just the opposite of the phantom. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if he didn't have a kid, then it's over, but he probably did have a kid, so there's gonna be more pirates. Uh, yeah, that's fair. It's all very silly. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess Catherine Zeta-Jones is a full good guy now. Yeah. Because she's going to give... What's her name? Uh, not Kristen Stewart. Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> This would be a very different movie if Kristen Stewart was. Well, no, maybe it wouldn't actually. <laughs> now, never mind. It probably wouldn't. Because she's gonna give her a ride back to New York or something. And, and, uh, Billy Zane. Trust you, dramatic secret identity reveal, but she already knew, because of course she already knew. And then he says, you know, I can only, I can only share my secret identity with the woman who's gonna marry me. She's like, I'm not gonna do that. Leaves <laughs> anyway, which is pretty great. Yep. <laughs> And they're flying away, and then Ghost Dad's voiceover comes in like, You know what? Don't worry. They fuck later. Not your business. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> and credits roll. <laughs> one of the more awkward things I've ever seen. That's 
the whole movie. <laughs> oh my god. Sam? Yes? What did you think of the Phantom? <laughs> okay. The first time I watched it, I really liked it. Because <laughs> I was, I, I, I try to watch it the first time as, like I said, as like a moviegoer. I don't try to think about it critically or anything. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I did think that some of the parts were a little bit weird. Uh, but uh, for the most part, I really liked it. The second time I watched it, I still really liked it, <laughs> actually. Nice! Uh, yeah, no, Bill, Billy Zane is uh, gorgeous and fantastic. <laughs> And, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones is, uh, I, I, I would let her do things to me, regardless of whether or not I consented. Um, Kari Hiroki Tagawa is, uh, is, is a, he's, he's a gem, and I truly wish he was there for more than three minutes of the movie. Yeah. Treat Williams is fantastically smarmy as Drax. Just a great cast of characters. Uh, James Remar was awesome as Quill as as Discount Indiana Jones. Christy Swanson was kind of whatever for me. I don't know. Like, she did what she could with the part, but it just didn't feel like there was much to go on. Yeah, I think it's just there was, there was so much charisma on screen in this movie. Yeah. That being adequate stood out. Yeah, like... Like, I don't think she did anything wrong. She was fine. She's just not Billy Zane or Catherine Zay-Jones or Carrie. I always get his middle name, his last name. Hiroyuki Tagawa. Thank you. Or even Treat Williams, for that matter. Like, she's just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just... Like, she she was fine, but she just couldn't compete. It's... It's like... It's like Tommy Lee Jones trying to... Trying to compete with Jim Carrey. Like, it just... It doesn't work. Unfortunately, like, she was fine, but just overshadowed, I guess, is the word for it. Yeah, because there's, there's, like, 
800 pounds of liquid charcoal strain at all times. Like it's not. Exactly. And yeah, it's. I mean, like you mentioned, some of the CGI was pretty bad. But this was 1996, so CGI was still relatively still in its infancy. And it wouldn't get really good for another 10 or so years, but... And they didn't, they didn't overuse it, which is good. Yeah. Like, they did practical effects a lot of the time. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of the fight scenes, they might, they might have felt a little bit clunky, a little slow, but that was okay because they, like, just like you were saying, honestly, it felt like they were trying to, trying to sort of, um, strike poses and make every fight scene, every frame of a fight scene look like a fight scene. So it was, it was enjoyable for that. And, uh, it's just, there was, there was a lot of fun stuff to about it. It was just a fun movie. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not sure why this movie flopped as hard as it did. I guess the... I, I can see why it would be hard to advertise what the tone was actually going to be. The way my thought the weird Goldilocks sound of doesn't look appealing. Because between the the sort of spooky look of the Phantom and the goofiness of all the actual lines and just how bad trailers in the 90s were all the time anyway and how close it was to Batman Forever and, and, and I can sort of get also it seems like they did a a couple of movies that took place around this time that all kind of flopped, right? Like, like uh, Dick Tracy and The Shadow. Was uh, it The Shadow? Both movie? also. Was Sorry? there a Shadow movie? Yeah, I think it was uh, Alec Baldwin. I did not know about that. Yeah, it's uh, possibly worth checking out. Possibly not. They also pretty recently did one like The Spirit or something, which is basically The Shadow and sort of, sort of Apes Sin City style. That one's much more recent though. Huh. Well, yeah, The Shadow was from 1994. Yeah, then... 
guess I don't even know if because Rocketeer was also sort of pulpy, and I feel like that one didn't do great and just became a cult classic afterwards. Yeah. Well, that was also that was also a bit earlier on, I think. Uh, yeah, because. Now I'm just looking this stuff up as you're mentioning it. The Rocketeer was 1991, so it it was still a bit earlier on, and I definitely would like to rewatch The Rocketeer, because it's been a good 25 years since I've seen this movie. But I would really like to see this one again, because I remember, I really remember liking it a lot when I was a kid. So, um, yeah. When when was Dick Tracy? Is that... Dick Tracy? I can look it up. Uh, 1990 for Dick Tracy, so... It was still, that was was even earlier. There was a spring. Yeah. But I think there was definitely, I think audiences were, like the, the whole, the whole hero genre was sort of in decline. In somewhat of a decline for, you know, throughout the 90s, because people were just getting kind of tired of it. Uh, and then Batman and Robin just kind of imploded everything. And then it, start, it did start to build up again with there was like Blade and Spider-Man and everything. And now we have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And also the DC Cinematic Universe. Which is a thing. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Wonder Woman was alright. I still need to see that one. And it's... You know, it's... I like it. I unironically like it. Um, I think it seems better than it is just because so many other ones in the universe are so bad. <laughs> like, it, it stands out. It's an important movie and everything. But it's... it's I think it's only okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but worth seeing. Yeah. And I'm glad they finally made one because it's been like, what, 80 freaking years? Yeah. But The Phantom, I think it's too bad that it flopped as hard as it did. I would have watched this entire franchise and I hope it doesn't stay dead, because they also did, again, that sci-fi channel series was only on for, like, one season, kind of flopped also, but I think it's a, it's a good premise. 
that you can, yeah, bring out. Although that one is contemporary. I think it was set in like the 2000 aughts or something. So that might not have been as entertaining just because you can't be as cheesy and get away with it. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about going back and watching Phantom 2040, though. Um, just because I definitely remember, well, I don't remember watching it, but I definitely remember that it was a series, which in the early 90s, that's, there were a lot of, obviously, a lot of cartoon series, but that one I definitely remember being, it sort of stood out in my mind. Yeah, it's, uh, I recall it being pretty good. Hmm. For, you know, early 90s cartoon series. Yeah. It, but it had this weird sort of, those more art style specific than most of them. Like everyone was very lanky and kind of pale and it had this weird... I don't know. It, it, it was neat. It was doing a thing. Yeah. I haven't seen it as an adult so I have no idea if it actually did the thing, but it was trying to. Hmm. I'm going to have to search it out. So I'm really just curious. And I think we should, uh, well, we've got a bunch of things we should do first. <laughs> um, but I think the the Rocketeer should be on our dock at some point. I agree. Also, I think we should start doing more really good underappreciated movies because we've been doing some kind of silly ones <laughs> that everyone knows are silly. Which is fine. It's a lot of fun, but but what about the ones that are great? <laughs> <laughs> and no one knows why they're great. <laughs> Other than Super Mario Brothers, which is still just tough. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so I don't think if The Phantom was a perfect movie, but I also can't think of specific things I would do to improve it that wouldn't mess up the vibe it was going for. Yeah. I see what you mean, yeah. Although I, I do wish the pirate stuff had taken place outdoors. <laughs> I wish a lot more of it had taken place outdoors than jungle. That's pretty much it. Because also all the impressive fight choreography and chase scenes and stuff were like the jungle chase with the biplane I liked a lot. 
the uh, the motorcycle chase through the zoo, I liked a lot. When they went outdoors and did crazy pulp outdoor stuff, it was always pretty fun. Yeah. The bridge thing was pretty good versus the fight in the elevator room was whatever and the boat stuff was whatever and the pirate ship stuff was whatever. I think it's just they can't go nuts like they want to. So that would be my only note um, for when they do the sequel. Uh, it's been 20 years. <laughs> I think they will. But when they do that sequel, uh, outdoors might be good. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, and I, I... I'm sure I'll watch this movie again. It's, it's not... <laughs> The fact that it's not very good on a couple levels doesn't mean I'm not gonna I'm gonna throw it away and not watch it. <laughs> like actually I bought this one <laughs> for the uh, after I watched the first search like, you know what, I'm gonna watch this again. So I, I bought the digital download and now I have it. So nice. it'll happen. <laughs> Okay. Hell, we'll we'll decide what to do next at some point. I think we've got a. Uh, what's on the docket? Uh, I, I don't know what order we can release this in, but Judge Dredd, maybe. We'll call it something one of these days. Oh, uh, Ju- Judge Dredd will probably come out before oh, this okay. one. Okay. Uh, what about, um, do we ever do Wild Wild West? Uh, that also I think is going to come. I'm thinking I'm going to release season more or less the order we record. Gotcha. So, like, next one's probably Judge Red or Wild Wild West, and then the other one, and then this one. Uh, but we should do the one of these. Okay. We're going to do uh, Labyrinth with Tony at some point because we put up that patrons only poll and it was pretty overwhelming. I mean, I say pretty overwhelming. It got like four votes, but they were all for Labyrinth. So it was a landslide with very low participation. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, oh yeah, that's that's another reason you, uh, you can, uh, Become a patron if you want to. You get to have a voice in deciding our next movie. 
when I put poles up, which so far I've only done once, but I'm going to try two more. (laughs) (laughs) And you can get, like, uh, messages read out on on the podcast at at a certain level, right? It's a bit more expensive, but we're talking, like, $1 versus four dollars like it's I, I I keep it cheap because there's if a who would pay too much for this <laughs> <laughs> and B like it's you know I, that it's gonna be going to charity and we our, our hosting costs are paid for at this point, so from now on, half of whatever we get goes direct to the matinee—not matinee habitat preservation, manatee habitat preservation. So we're finally at the cost of that goal. That'd be really cool. Yeah. But it's much easier nickel and dime that stuff and try to get a bunch of people involved than, like, lean on one person. (laughs) So, you liked our podcast. Do you want to give us 25 bucks a month? Like, no, of course not. But a dollar a month, 12 bucks a year, if you can swing it, if you enjoy these, um, and if you like that silly mission premise I came up with that I want to be proud of, but we still haven't actually contributed anything towards it so soon, <laughs> um, uh, that'd be cool, and you can vote on next movies to do or past a certain level uh, just unilaterally dictate it that's kind of expensive <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah uh, this has been fun we'll come up with something else to do next yeah Got anything to say? Um, your precious stone. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Matinee Manatees. I, I. I love you. Well, now it sounds like we're saying it to each other. But, well, yeah. Oh. I, I was saying it to the audience. Oh. Did, sure. So, so, so was I. This is really awkward. Uh, yeah. Um. We're gonna have to talk about this, but off camera. Like, like cameras. Okay. 
Bye, everyone. Bye. to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to Matinee Manatees on iTunes, the Stitcher app, and YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and much more on his website, incompetech.com.